Welcome to the Anime Boomer Podcast. This is our second episode. The first one went very, very well. Should be up now on most podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, of course, Anchor.fm, which is where we host it. You can catch it also on YouTube.com slash TheGatorGamer. Joining me today, my co-host, Spooky Weep Trash. How you doing, Spooky? I'm here to suck dick and watch anime. I'm all out of anime to watch. <laughs> all right. And of course, joining us as well as our sometimes co-host, luckily we've had him twice in a row, Cody Bear of Anime Outsiders and Cloud Scratcher. How you doing, Cody? It's Bayer! Is this going to be Byer. a running thing anytime I'm on anything? People mispronounce my last name. <laughs> okay, noted. I'll make sure to call you Bayer next time, just to make, just to make sure. <laughs> I'm not an aspirin, I'm a man! <laughs> All right. And our special guest for today's episode is the legendary Nick Ricada, the man that covered the Dick Masterson Maddox lawsuit and the Vic Mignogna case, and has also been dubbed the king of internet grifters. How are you doing, Nick? I'm great. <laughs> you guys didn't get <laughs> to hear the I'm conversation. That's, you guys <laughs> that, that's all I'm saying. Just... No sticks from him tonight. Just, uh... <laughs> You guys didn't get to hear the conversation just before we started the uh, the, the program here, but uh, Nick has been a very busy boy. You did four shows yesterday. Yes, I did, because uh, I have unhealthy uh, inabilities to set boundaries. And an inability to say no to anyone. Want to talk about you. your That's childhood you're while you're at it? <laughs> yeah, we, well, let's just go into it, where someone get me a couch and I'll lay down and start telling you all of my problems. The well, it's funny you say that because we've got one on the overlay right now. So <laughs> tell me about Perfect. your problems. <laughs> well, I have a crippling addiction to making money. That's one problem. <laughs> and then my the, penis the is other... just so huge. It just drags <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> I can't find pants that fit. And I also, uh, I also, similarly to Gator, only call Cody, Cody Bayer. I can't, I, I cannot see it the other way. It says Bayer to me. So you're going to have to fix that. It's an You're going to say it with a southern twang. Rawr. Rawr. Let me try. Oh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's Cody Bayer right there. Son of a... Now they're just going to do it to piss me off. No one's going to say my name right anymore. I'll say it right. Briar. It's Eastern European. I think it's Eastern European. It's, it's Bayer. It's Bayer. Stop it. <laughs> Dude, the AI makes an eye sound. We're on an anime podcast. That should be obvious. What? I don't read 
stuff with that, English titles in it. I'm a weeb. Uh, I read the Japanese titles that's, only. That's how the Japanese pronounce AI. It's I. Yeah, I, uh, I consume all anime in moon runes only. Yeah. <laughs> with English dubs in the back. That's how so. it's meant to be, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> the way God intended it. The way don't, God don't, intended it. You're, you're, you're going to make me sad that we don't get good dubs anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start getting depressed. Is that, is that how you want to kick off a podcast already? Just on a fucking depressing ass note. Dude, the tiniest violin song. MP4 playing in the back. Can't even watch a goddamn cartoon about pretty people fighting in my own language anymore without someone half-assing the acting and throwing in a language about gender or something. Speaking oh, of that, have you? Uh, are you, are you watching Record of Ragnarok at all? I didn't even know it started. It's a it's a fucking disaster. It's it's so bad. <laughs> I started to watch. I was I had some time the other night. I was sitting around, uh, and in my household, there's been like a a cold running through everybody except me, and so everybody's asleep early one night, and I'm sitting there uh, on my couch. I'm like, well, what am I gonna do? So I start watching Record of Ragnarok, and it is the most embarrassingly boring. <laughs> Uh, overwrought weirdo anime I have seen in a while. And that's saying something. That is saying something. I was like, what the hell is this? Well, it, it, the, the anime adaptation is terrible because the manga, it's, it's weird, but that's kind of the point. Like, it's, it's like, no, it gets right to the point. Like, this is about crazy shit fighting. And, like, there's some, you know, story going on in the background, but this, it's like, nah, we just want to see fucking myths fight historical figures in some crazy shit and the art style is very expressive and crazy looking and it's, it's very neat to look at because it's very unique it's a very unique looking manga and then the anime it's just the most generic looking they've like toned all the weird visual stuff down the week like there was all kinds of crazy facial expressions that the manga was kind of known for that they're all gone and the animation is just like like what the it's i don't know it's not full yeah. slideshow but it's it's not great well so i'm i'm sitting there and the the premise is you have basically up to 13 fights between mortals and gods right one on one fights and uh first to seven wins so you you anticipate that the anime is going to take you through 13 of these fights and that it'll come down to the last one that'll be that'll be the big dramatic tension that that seems obvious mm-hmm. the first fight though takes like four episodes i'm like what the how the hell are you gonna do this show like how are you going to cram 13 that's that's like 50 episodes uh of fights and i maybe they're just gonna go into some uh extended seasons or something i don't i don't know how it's are they fighting on namek or something what in the world (laughs) the manga is not done yet so the anime is not going to be done either so it's oh my god just just fights all i see all i see is men with long hair and muscles fighting and it's already got me peaked okay that's (laughs) yeah but the okay so the best part of the anime so far though is aphrodite um, <laughs> oh, she's the one because, that like hold the boobs and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah her yeah, chair, her chair is uh, it's stone men like uh, making a chair, like making a seat with their legs, uh, their their backs, uh, their bodies are the backs of the chair, but then each of them has a hand 
uh, coming around the front to hold her massive breasts. <laughs> it's so I funny. Think. Like I saw when I saw that, I was like, "That is funny. Uh, this is this is what I expect out of my anime." I knew immediately when she came on screen. I'm like, "That's Aphrodite. That's that's gonna be that's a funny bit." But then, like, she's barely in it, and uh, and and the rest of it's kind of weird. And Thor is like this long-haired sort of effete. I mean, he's big and muscular, but he's he's got that very femi Japanese guy look uh, from anime. Bishonen. Like, this is just it's it's such a weird show, and I uh, so I didn't realize how long it was going to be. I guess that the manga is still going because I just, the other anime I just watched uh, on Netflix was um, uh, blood of Zeus, which was kind oh, of a short piece of shit. It was, it was a short one shot. It was not very good. Uh, the last episode was, was pretty good. If they could have made all of the other episodes as like uh, action packed and fun and creative as the last episode and then made the last episode even better, that would have been, what they needed to do. But uh, it was, you know, I mostly just sat through it. But the last episode, I'll say, was was actually kind of decent. But uh, so that was like an eight episode, uh, just kind of a one shot. That's what I was thinking this Ragnarok was going to be. Oh, it's going to be like 13, 14 episodes. But now you're telling me it's a big like investment of time that they're probably going to put into it. And and I'm less interested. Yeah, it's a it's a. It's a continuous run. I think uh, the manga is at fight eight, I think, maybe nine, something around there. Um, so, yeah, so the manga is still going and it's not even at like, I, th I think it's halfway through fight wise. But yeah. other than that, yeah, it, it ain't. It's, it's a runner. Um, man, if you need anime to watch, just like DM me on Twitter or something. I'll hook you up with that good no, shit. I, Ask Gator. I can hook you up with that good I, shit. Let me be clear. I don't need anime to watch. That is never a thing that is necessary. <laughs> I was just. All right, if you, I was if you're looking for anime. Mr. Pedantic motherfucker, then if you're just looking no, for something to watch. I, but I, no, I'm, I'm getting to that. I, I wasn't even looking for anything to watch. I was just sitting on my couch and I'm like, I, for a few minutes, I don't have anything to do. It's like, what is. Uh, we, my wife and I have been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. trying to get through the, the final. Uh, two seasons of that because we we stopped watching it years ago and didn't realize that there were more seasons that came out and so we're just finishing up that storyline and so uh that's on netflix so i just backed out of agents of shield and i'm like okay i'm just gonna flip through netflix for a few minutes uh see if there's something i can watch that's not like you know several hours long it's like oh here's this here's this netflix anime series and Record of Ragnarok fighting between gods and humans eh, might be interesting. Click, no, it's and not. It, it's it's a bad adaptation, especially because it's supposed to be weird, and the art style of the manga leans into that. Like you, once you when you see that look with everything else, it all kind of comes together and it clicks, and you get the feel of this. Like oh, this is this has got like a a strange edge to it, but it's like all cool, like big fights with a little bit of bizarreness, and the anime just completely. Um, just what's word like it it just kind of turns it into generic the generic anime look and it really yeah. doesn't help it really doesn't it's it's a disservice to the that's a shame because the trailer looked absolutely fantastic and i was like oh hey this is gonna be pretty cool i mean there's like all kinds of people were showing all kinds of like comparisons of the manga and anime to show like how the anime kind of fucked it up like uh especially with the facial facial expressions because the if you look at the anime you just 
I mean, if you look at the manga, just there's all kinds of what you you really do get what it's going for when you look at the manga. Like, oh, okay, it's it's this kind of feel to it. Uh, yeah. Whereas the anime, it's like you you kind of think it's going to be more of a I don't know an epic action show, and it's kind of what it's going for, but not entirely. It's it's like some it's like a weird Japanese something out of heavy metal magazine. I guess is kind of the feel that it has. This season of anime has really been this kind of like contrast between like absolutely stunning and gorgeous works like Jujutsu Kaisen was absolutely beautiful fantastic it really translated the art from the manga to the anime very well Vivi Florite's Eye Song was another stunningly made anime uh, from uh, Wit Studio and they did a fantastic job with that it looked just amazing and then you have So I'm a Spider So What with its gratuitous use of X-Arm level 3D that just completely breaks Good. the scenes I, I mean, it's, I, it's a shitty. I enjoy, what do you expect? I, I enjoy like little shitty anime like that from time to time. Okay, because there was this one anime I watched. I believe it was like one or two episodes where the whole premise of it was just this anime girl. She was a cockroach, and it looked terrible. But she was a fucking cockroach. So, like all the other cockroaches looked normal. But she had a fucking anime girl face, and she was just going around like getting swatted and killed a bunch because she was a cockroach. And I enjoy little shitty anime like that. Okay, they're they can be they're charming in their own sense. That's why I watched Ari Fueta. I, I, I can't find any anime to watch these days. That's just why I just watch VTubers if I get my Japanese entertainment fix. I mean, that's oh, technically God. anime. Why are you not a VTuber yet, Rick Ricada? <laughs> because we had, that, we had, that's we had degenerate. We had this discussion already <laughs> on your show. Yep. Well, how did it go? Give me a TLDR. I don't remember what I said, but let me just suggest I said that it's degenerate. I, I, I explained rashly because I know he had that one guy on that annoying Nuxtaku guy about it. And I can't even imagine. You hate Nuxtaku. <laughs> I can't take him, man. I, I, I assume he painted as like, it's anime girls, but real. It's amazing. But no, it's it's that's a pretty really spot on impression. Yeah, um, it's just really good streamers that uh, the the avatar makes it so they have to be. It's like it's more meritocratic because the avatar blocks out any kind of shortcuts like a girl streamer could use you know you can't no another shirt no thousand percent disagree with that no because you kids you can't do the thing with like oh you can't point the camera down the boobs you can't uh oh i'm streaming from my bedroom it's more intimate i can't uh do any of that to be shit. fair to be fair gigux wife gigux wife who's also a clout chasing artard i don't know if i can say that here but uh she's a fucking idiot herself and she made a big booby avatar but she's a thought yeah, well, she's a thought that's into cuck porn she doesn't actually have talent so independent independent english vtubers you could just skip those there's like okay. maybe one or two good ones but no 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 i'm talking about the ones that are represented by a company that that they have like especially they have to actually like scouts. They yeah, they got talent like, scouts. Yeah, talent. Yeah. Yeah, and Hollow Life's talent scouts, especially man. I don't know who who's doing that job, but they need to get paid more because that that's they keep hitting it out of the park. I don't uh, know what they, they more get paid a lot. I they I, they. Oh, go ahead. I said I don't know what would be more embarrassing to be a YouTuber whose girlfriend's a OnlyFans thought or who's like a V who's a VTuber slash clout chaser that talks about how much she's in the cuck porn and probably would cheat on you with a black dude. I don't know. I don't know what's more embarrassing. I, I, either way, because the VTubers, the, 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 the corporate ones, they're more genuine. And then you had that blew up because, you know, it's, it's strangely in this cynical Internet world, it's strangely refreshing to just have some entertainers that just want to make you fucking happy. That's it. 
There's no bullshit attached. You don't have to, like, well, I mean, what are they really in this for? No, they just want to, like, hey, come watch my streams. We're having a good time. You'll have a good time. That's it. And then you had, and then, like, that blew up because people were miserable and want to have a good time. Corona on the screen, that's a good example. Like, we're just having fun here. And then that blew up. And then, of course, when anything blows up, you get the clout chasers. And, man, VTubing clout chasers are some of the worst shit to sit through. They got that V Shoujo group that's all... It's like, with the exception of Iron Mouse, because she is genuinely witty, it's like all the people that... They all think like that. It's got that Sarah Silverman, Amy Schumer shit. Like, if I talk about... If I keep talking... Pee-pee and poo-poo. Pee-pee and poo-poo, ha my queefs. Let me make queef... Like, shut the fuck up. Just genuinely, all of you except for Iron Mouse, shut the fuck well, up. Like, Fruit is a fucking whore too. She cheated openly with her boyfriend. She also exit, to... she also ran a um a uh, weed business and she exit scammed people. What a degenerate! Get, yeah, there's still people <laughs> trying to get money from her. Uh, she, yeah, she's got a history, and I think she also posted like um, unsolicited nudes or something to Kay. So uh, yeah, she's got it. She's got a fingerprint you know some now we got dudes pretending to be chicks now well because they're like trans individuals who no, are no, to look like you, you know why girl. you got you got dudes pretending to be chicks because despite what you're saying about it being a meritocracy having a female anime avatar um is is the requisite for being the top vtube streamers like it it just is well, that's they, how it started like that's, that's how it seeing. continues they are the dominating <laughs> force and it's because anime plus weebs online equals dollars like it just trust me it just does. <laughs> well, there's a counterpoint to that, and it's the winning son. Everybody who knows VTubers know what I'm talking about. Roberto blew up, too, and now he's climbing. You just gotta... It's the Girls started it, because you had Kizuna Ai. That's It started with girls. And then the guys that came in at first just kind of were, eh. I mean, it's just, eh. Like, those first male VTubers were just so boring. And... You got it. You need a personality to sell yourself VTubing because you, the, the avatar only captures so much and all of them are cute anime girls. So you can't even say, oh, the, this, is, this character is so cute because that's not special. So they're all the same, pretty much. You also so, have to say fuck if you're a cute Japanese girl and that'll get you tons of clout on Twitter. Like, like the ones that blow up, blow up because they do something that entertained people. Like a clip went viral of something they did that was funny. Like, that's what blows these VTubers up, is that they did something that was entertaining. Like the Pika Me and the Echoes Act 3 thing. That, that's, that was my first exposure to her. Yeah, or like, um, God, there's a million and one Corona Eclipse. I mean, that fucking Ikumbokum thing blew up. <laughs> yeah, that blew up. Um, God, was it, uh, fucking, the thing that got me, because when I first heard VTubers, I thought it was the cringiest shit, right? Because, uh, but, uh, and then like, I forget what someone showed a Kizuna eye clip. I was like, this is actually pretty funny. Okay. But the thing that really got me interested in actively watching them was Sakura Miko's GTA clips. And that's, you, <laughs> I know yeah, exactly. You know, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a bunch of them because apparently GTA is like a, actually kind of a niche thing over there, but she's really into it. Oh, yeah. So, so she started just playing it and like, she, hey, let me show Japan this, this Western game I'm into. And there's like compilations of her shit playing that and it's the funny i mean everybody knows the one clip she, everybody knows the one clip where she she got she's got a whole thing of people saying the n-word but right um, 
But uh, there was like a shitload of funny moments. And like, there's, again, there's a whole compilation to that. And that was like, okay, this is actually really funny. And it was like, yeah. And then that's just what got me started watching it. That they're actually fucking funny. Like, they're actually entertaining. They're actually kind of chipping away at the, uh, the belief that women aren't funny. Because, I mean, these chicks are funny as hell. I think it might be the reason we've always thought women aren't funny is because women get forced onto us that are trying to be funny in a male way, if that makes sense. Well, like, the thing about... Okay, so here, as a token vagina haver here, over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens with women is, like, women don't, like... We don't take the piss out of each other growing up, right? It's not a thing. We're, like, concerned about each other's feelings. Then we're, like, oh, here, and then we talk about it, and... We shouldn't bully each other. We should light each other up. And then we talk mad fucking shit behind each other's back. Um, that's how women fight. You know, they fight behind the scenes and they talk mad shit. We don't really fight fight. Uh, but with, with men, it's like you taking the piss out of each other. That's a bonding experience, right? That's how you know you guys like each other. If you're like really good, like if you can make each other laugh. And when you have female comedians, they don't really understand that, that kind of experience. The most they know is like, well, um, talking about stinky vaginas is funny to, you know, two-year-olds. I, I guess maybe uh, adults like that kind of thing, too. And so they incorporate pee-pee-poo-poo humor, humor, and they can't even be like crack a racist joke or, you know, whatever kind of joke here that's a little bit off kilter because they'll get canceled and get made fun of for it. Oh, no, they'll get like attacked for it, excuse me, and they won't, you know, they're not very good with the comebacks or defending themselves, so... That's essentially why women aren't funny. I think, I think just seeing these streams, if, we want, like, if women really want to be funny, I think just more of a situational, social moment. Like They, they excel more being funny there as opposed mm-hmm. to forcing a joke or forcing a, a, a scripted, like scripted comedy. Like Obviously, there are women that can do it, but I think um, it's just sort of the way men, women, male, female brains are different. I think... Men lean more into scripted, almost like I want to say force, but you kind of in that uh, there was no joke here. I have made joke. Um, I I've created joke. Whereas I think women are more like I recognize a funny moment has just happened. Let me put a spotlight on it. Mm-hmm. And I think the the VTuber thing is starting to show like okay, look, see they can be funny. And just here's the situation. Here's the situation, man. Well. You, <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got like a black book of comebacks i couldn't pick one <laughs> i like too many all at once but uh it's a thing like it's just sort of i don't know showcasing the here never this does work it's it really is just because they they can't blow up if they got nothing to offer you can't just come out with a cute avatar and like teehee look at me and it'll work. You you have to do something. You have to be something. You got to stand out and watch. Yeah. The top fifteen all-time super chatted streamers on YouTube are female anime, uh, uh, which we call VTubers. Number sixteen is Tim Pool. Tim Pool has been doing this longer and more successfully than any of them, and until like they exploded they well, exploded he, and and I've the top pool i've seen vtubers i would much rather give vtubers my money i mean for uh, oh I mean, yeah <laughs> no but but let me i'm just pointing out that aside from vtubers tim pool is the top super chat earner in the entire world on youtube overall he's pulled in eight hundred and sixteen thousand dollars in super chats 
the highest VTuber is $2.4 million, and the second one is $2.3 million. It's not even close. It's not, this is not a display of raucous, wild talent. It's, it just isn't. It, it is a short circuit. I, I have seen, I have seen the top earners. They are actually very good at what they do. Like, very good at what they do. Um, yeah, but I mean, the number one was like Kiryu Coco, and like she, like, wasn't God, expecting she, this to be the great VTuber debate. Like she, she blew the <laughs> she blew the fuck up from like stuff she did. Like she put on all this extra work. Yeah, Coco, she blew the fuck up doing that Ask a Coco show and all these other little shows that she put all this like effort and production into, and just like these funny clips of hers. Like she's an entertainer. Like all of those. All of those in the top five, I get it. Like, I've seen their stuff. I get it. They're, they're genuinely entertaining people to watch. It's, they're more, it's, I would, if I tried to explain a VTuber to someone that didn't know it, I would say it's, if you've seen stuff like Germa and Vine Sauce, it's like that with an anime girl doing it. Uh, it's a lot of that. And some of them put more into, like, doing little shows and productions and stuff. And especially Coco, who would do that Asa Coco show, which was like a morning joke news show. Um, and, like, they, they're just... I, yeah, I get it. I, I get, like, fucking Pakora. Just, she's a nutcase. She's always going to be doing something funny. You know, if you jump into a Pakora stream, she will... You won't have to wait long. Even if you don't speak her fucking language, she'll do something funny. It's an it's a return on your investment of time that you will be entertained. You don't have to wonder, will I be entertained? You will be entertained. You've got a you've got a you got an issue to work through. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you need to be I think you need to quit being such a hater. I'm not a I hater. You, I think you are. I think you do. I think you're because hey, I was in your shoes back back early on. I was in your shoes. I know. I know where you're coming from. Hey, but are, uh, isn't aren't you like younger than him? Wait, what do you mean in his shoes? Like, just anti, like... Because I said, like, when this when this thing started, I thought it was cringy and, like, oh, God, this is going to be fucking degenerate. Oh, and I, I saw the clips, and I got it. Because, again, because, I mean, y'all know me. I've been around for a while. Do I seem like the guy that's going to be, like, tee anime girls? No. No, it's, it's these are... They, I've, again, I've seen their stuff. They earned that, man. They're entertaining as hell. They're very, very good entertainers, especially Hachima there. She should probably be, she's doing some crazy shit. She should be way higher. I mean, she's on break. Maybe that's why she's lower, but like she's done some, she's changing the game, man. She's doing some, like some of these people really put a ton of work into this and they put on a good show and like, damn it, you put on a good show. That's all I ask, especially it's, do you know how hard it is these days in the internet to find entertainment that's bullshit free? Like, there's not, like, the person doing it doesn't have some weird history or, like... They all you know, do. Getting, that's, getting that's unpolitical. That's a human thing, Cody. Like, they no, all I'm talking, do. No, I'm talking about shit like, like, uh, oh, you, oh, do you really like this Minecraft YouTuber? Oh, well, now they're tr they're flirting with 14-year-olds. You should assume or, all or, Minecraft YouTubers flirt with 14-year-olds. There you are. Uh, or, like... Number oh, this, 52. This, this this That's YouTubers right. this YouTubers uh getting on weird political shit fights on Twitter and if you enjoy their work you got to put that out of your head or you know are are they only covering this issue for money or did they really care? no it's just it's it's 
even the the ones that are like being bawdy, it's still deep down some just wholesome entertainment we haven't had on the internet in years. And now I have to ask Nick. I this. appreciate that. I have to ask Nick this because I'm looking at the list here and he's number 52. Uh, is your a little bit of your enmity towards the VTubers the fact that they've knocked you officially out of the top 50? No, no, the uh, because it's not the VTubers knocking me out of top 50, by the way. It's uh, this um, this Maddie Notage TV, by the way, is one of them. Dr. Disrespect is another. He came onto YouTube uh you know from twitch he's one of the newest people on the list and he's done very very well as as he should right this is a guy who had millions and millions of uh followers on twitch as he's translated to youtube he's doing great maddie notage tv is a horrifying youtube channel it is absolutely horrifying you see those hashtags hashtag church hashtag profit Ooh. that is a snake and <laughs> that type of that type of thing it's it's getting more popular too if you scroll down there's uh there's another pastor couple that appeals to um we'll say impoverished communities and they they do there it is pastores giovanni e sandy ramirez uh look like bispo bruno leonardo he sounds that or I, I don't I don't speak whatever language that is, but I'm guessing that's Oracle and Bishop, something like that. It looks Portuguese. Uh, looks like a pastor, right? Uh, given a fiery oratory. These people are creeps, man. They are they are selling God through the internet, and I find that to be disgusting. Like uh, was um, it Tammy Faye Baker in LM? It's basically yeah, like an internet I, version of that. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. Uh I I really don't like like if you want to if you want to make uh your god channel and have people come watch it, I'm fine, but but selling like prayer and salvation by super chat is a weird thing to me. Yeah. Like that's uh and and those those uh channels are getting bigger and bigger and and the scary thing is is you know where their money's coming from. It's coming right out of communities that need to not be spending money like that. And it's not, it's not going into like a church who's going to be reinvesting in their community. That's, that's, uh, you know, uh, some tax exempt thing, whether you agree with that or not, like that's, uh, I'm, I'm more okay with people doing that at churches. The, this is going, these are for profit YouTubers. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's a bit much even for me. And I am, I am the, uh, the champion grifter, like make no mistake. Uh, but that that's a bit much. I I don't care about where I fall on this chart because if you change it to U.S., my ranking goes up significantly anyway. Um, I, I that doesn't bother me at all. It's just it's it's from my personal experience plus seeing how the VTubers came through. It's less a pro. Uh, these scores are less a reflection of um, I would say uh, talent and and all and all of that stuff. And much, much more a reflection of uh, the audiences that they've tapped into. And the, uh, the VTubers have figured out, somebody figured it out, finally, that um, weebs will dump money into weebery. They will, <laughs> they if they could buy, uh, you know, a, a shower that sprayed weeb on them for $100,000 a minute, they would do it. I mean, and that's they not would, new. That's Japan's no, been doing I that know. for years. 
That's what I'm saying is that someone finally but really the shower and everything. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just they just spray it and it's just weeb semen or whatever. Sprays all like, over them. Like anime girl piss or something. Yeah. Uh, something like it. it. You can pick your horrific liquid and and have it just come straight out of the nozzle. But uh, they will they will spend a ton of money on it. And that's um you know it's uh, as a as a YouTuber who had for a while tapped into that community. You know it is it is intoxicating to get to have uh, because they, that audience throws money. I mean that's any I fandom though. So. I mean we that's they, that's there's no that, it's, uh... it's not even close. Oh, I have to no, agree with Nick here because anime fans do like remember these are the people that would spend hundreds of dollars on a box set of their favorite anime. They would buy tons and tons and tons of anime figurines. You've seen the kind of weebs rooms where they've literally got like every anime girl that's ever been made up on a shelf. I got I got they're an immediate retort to that. I got an immediate retort to that. Furries. Like, okay, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's true. even smaller demographic of people. But, no, that, not only that, um, we can go further with more fandoms. Uh, look how much money the Trekkies will pump into their to their fandom. They'll spend God in untold amounts of money to turn rooms of their house into rooms from some Star Trek show, be it original or next generation. Like, I mean, kind, but but we they don't they don't translate in the same way that uh, that weebs do on YouTube. And the reason they don't, I think, is because weebs are conditioned for uh, smaller transactions. You're right. Like a Star Trek fan will like make a hollow deck or whatever uh, out of some room, and it's like, but it's just it's just orange lines on black background. That's not really that. In but uh, well, no, that's like know, that's they'll turn like the, the bridge or there's yeah, a I, guy that turn his car into a shuttlecraft. You know, they'll right. Yeah, they'll they'll do these big things, but weebs will. Because uh, the the sort of anime community involves, well, I'm going to go to these conventions, which means I'm going to buy a plane ticket. Then I'm going to buy uh, the ultimate pass to this show. Then when I get in there, I'm going to go to like nine different vendors and spend $50 at each one. Then I'm going to go pay for autographs. Then I'm going to go like spend money on a special food or an event thing that they do. Uh, or whatever. And by the time they're done, they're out thousands of dollars. And then you know what they're going to do the next weekend? The exact same thing in a different city. Uh, it's amazing. They're, I, get, they're I get what you're saying, but I'm, let me tell you why you're wrong, though. Because you're saying that like weebs will do smaller transactions like a super chat. So they, that the VTubers can get weebs to throw super chats on them. The reason that you're wrong is that those top earners are Japanese language. The, the reason that they're that high is not just from the overseas support. But the fact that they're far more mainstream in Japan, like Pecora had her own wine come out not too long ago. Um, they're mainstream things in Japan. So you have that plus the the weeb contingent, which is not that big as you know, it's it seems big when you're on the Internet sphere, but they're not that big. And then combined with the, VTubers are breaking out of the weeb thing. I mean, you're having like other known content creators on YouTube shout them out reference. I mean, like that one dude that does uh, rock covers of video games, like Family Jewels, did like two uh, covers of VTuber BGMs. Um, and you see and more of that. Diaz doing like interviews with them too, Smosh. Yeah, like they're, they're, they're getting the attention of just other content creators that aren't 
deep weebs. So the deep weeb thing, yeah, that's a factor, but that doesn't get you to the top five of YouTube. Like that, that, yeah, they're not that gets anywhere you near the. They're not anywhere near the top five of YouTube. I'm talking about super chat earners. That no, it it does get you directly to the top five of YouTube. There, there, aren't, that many weebs. there aren't that many weebs to get you that much money. Like I said, it's that plus the fact they're mainstream in Japan. Most of their super chat comes earners are Japanese. Uh, either main, more mainstream in Japan, that plus the hardcore weebs, plus they're just breaking out into like outside the hardcore Wait, weeb. Is is weeb only referring to American? anime yeah. fans oh see i'm i'm including weirdo japanese fans too i mean they're not and, just weirdo it's not just the weirdos in japan like they're very just they're breaking into normie tier in japan again one just came out with her own brand of wine like they they're they're getting all kinds of like little product things like that like they're they're on they're making tv appearances in japan you know they're they're a thing in Japan. That one, the, the rabbit girl, Pakora, she, she has to, like, she can't even laugh in public because she has such a distinctive laugh. That's a meme. People write it with arrows. So if she laughs in public, everybody knows who she is. Like, they're, uh, they're, they're very mainstream in Japan, and that's a big reason they're up there. It's the Japan mainstream thing, plus the weebery, plus the fact that they're getting into, like, outside the weeb sphere in overseas. That's what gets you off. So, okay. So yesterday, Coco, the number one streamer, right? Yesterday was number 44 on the, uh, on the live viewers rating. Like, yeah. it's wildly disproportionate how much they take in versus uh, what they what they, uh, you know, versus other streamers that or other streams and stuff that have um, live viewers that are significantly higher. They, it is, it is. Yeah, because you're more wildly. engaged. It's you're more engaged with a VTuber stream. It's because the they're literally because they're a VTuber. I, I cannot see how you don't understand this. I, it's, it's, I actually watched them. I actually. Em oh, but like it's the, embarrassing because like the the data shows. Um, for instance, the, the um one of them on there. I think she's in the top ten. Calliope. She's in the top ten because it's it's a snowball effect. Because I don't. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say if you say this meme, but a thing started where people would bully her with money because she was she's new to this. And when people gave her like big amounts of money, she like had a like a, a like a, gra a emotional moment of gratitude to the people giving. And she was even telling people, "No, don't give me money. Save it for yourself." And that just ended up with people bullying her with money. And that boosted her up there. It's shit like that. And it is a lot of that gratitude that people pick up on. Like, oh. It's, it's, a, it's a VTuber avatar. I'm not. I, it, it, you are blowing, my, there's, there's blowing a person, my mind. There's a person behind the avatar that is a, not only a good entertainer, but seems to give a shit about their audience. And that resonates. That's why, that's why like, V Shoujo isn't up there. That's why they're not up there. They're VTubers. Hell, they're English language VTubers. They should be easier to be picked but up. But they're by being the more language. forced. It's not being developed naturally. Yes. Exactly. You're, you're arguing why one VTuber is not as high as another VTuber and ignoring the fact that VTubers in general overperform every other genre by miles. <laughs> by I'm, miles. 100%. <laughs> look at, but you look at, uh, look at those top earners. If, if you're, what you're saying is the case, 
those other the the thoughts should be making tons of money because I mean they're they're the e thoughting thoughts with don't, animators. They don't, e, the e thoughts don't do well on YouTube at all. They do better on Twitch. No, yeah, they but do I'm saying much better on Twitch. But they're not even that high. I mean, like Melody might be high on Twitch. Iron Mouse was like an established Twitch personality. She might be. The rest of E Shoujo, not that high. Like they're they're the reason these people get that high is they something about their style or personality. Yes, the anime girl helps because a big part of being a VTuber is you play a character. In fact, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a hot take here. I think Dr. Disrespect counts, too. He's not an anime girl, but everything else that he does is the same thing they do. He plays, a, char he plays a character, including when he's playing the game. He's, like, always on in this persona, just like they are. And he even has, like, the whole, um, like, when he does the, the green screen stuff, and he's got, like, the, he's, like, in this um, synthwave world of red and black. A lot of that's the same shit. The, literally, the only difference between Dr. Disrespect and those five is he's a live, live actor. actor yeah but everything else about him is exactly like vtubers because that's the big thing too is they play a character and, and he's number 34 he's number one on twitch he's going to a new audience he's going, he's going to down. a new platform he's he's going down the rankings month over month but he also compared to VTubers. Yeah, but he, he was never as big on youtube as he was on twitch he was big on youtube but not the same that he was on twitch I'm just pointing out, man, it's he is uh, the anime VTuber avatar is the short circuit that jumps you up the rankings. Like if if Dr. Disrespect uh, had a voice and uh, and, put on, and, and put on some like little little big eyed anime girl avatar instead <laughs> of his uh, 80s mullet thing. Um, it would be it would be billions of dollars like it would it would probably make the other ones uh, it would probably put them to shame the the the, uh, the counterpoint is who number one is is very much not that like she blew up that the clip blew up of her because she's uh, she's an American living in Japan and that that uh, was already like she had to she was different than the other ones and she's more crass and does not do the I'm so cutesy wootsy like she her everybody knows her catchphrase is good morning motherfuckers like in english <laughs> like that that's a big thing with her is it's it's performative like you have to be like every one of those five i can tell you like a million reasons they blew up like all these clips these viral clips of them that got people watching and the engagement they have and that's another thing is engagement with the audience that they do frequently i mean a lot of them because they're blowing up overseas they're learning english like how many how many other anybody on YouTube, Twitch, whatever, can you say would learn a second language for an overseas audience? Like they're anybody making two million dollars would learn. <laughs> if you were making big money off of some Russians, would you start learning Russian? Doc yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I, th I think a lot of people wouldn't. And even before they were, were this big, like before they were number one, two, three, four, five, they were doing this. You you don't think like so someone comes out and they're like, hey, comrade, you know, if you learn Russian, you'll you'll earn like two, three million dollars next year. Go ahead to learn the Russian. Watch the Russian super jets come in that that like every YouTuber on Earth isn't going to start 
uh, open. Well, obviously not all of them, but there's been there... plenty of YouTubers that have been like that I've seen over there, like like IRL YouTubers that have just like they either do vlogs or they do something that's appealing to a Western audience and they can't really speak the language that well. That they learn over time because they're like, okay, well, I have this demographic over here that really likes interacting with me. We just can't understand each other that well. So they like, learn. Like they, they even before they were this big though. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't the money wasn't at this level at the time they started trying to engage and they a lot of them do like, oh, they'll play a game and then they'll talk with the audience. By the way, I just I pulled up 30 seconds of a Coco Chan or whatever that thing's video is. And you are absolutely not telling the truth. She sounds exactly like an anime girl. She's doing a fake voice. But even that yeah. is her joke. She, I mean, she re- has repeatedly made remarks that she sounds like Mickey Mouse on drugs. Um, that, that, if you want, look, if you really want to ag- get it, just let me I know. Don't. I'll show you. I'll show you what the appeal is. The, that's yeah. No, that's like asking to go in the jar with the My Little Pony thing. No, thank it's- you. I <laughs> I don't want to be in there at all. I want to stay as far away from from that as possible. This may sound better. He don't, he don't joy in his life. I see uh, how it is. Guys, I just guys, find I it think, amazing that I think you that overlook we, the obvious data on this. But I we've been we've been arguing about VTubers for like an hour, and um, can we go to uh, Vic Vignana? <laughs> I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying my 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 final point here. You're speaking from the outside, trying to make a guess. As to why they're big, I'm saying this from someone that's watched it, watched the fans, even the goofy ones, watched the reactions, and watched what blew them up. I can tell you why they're that big, and the anime girl avatar helps, but it ain't why. I will allow you the final words of your delusion. (laughs) All right, so let's move on to the Vic Mignogna stuff. So, Nick, you had, I want to say, probably... The one of the best conversations between two people I have ever heard it hearing you and him talk publicly on the internet for the first time ever, actually getting to hear him in his own words talk about the trials and the tribulations, everything that he went through. You get this kind of you really understand just how damaging this was to him as a person. He's this guy, he's very popular. And so people kind of like, you know, think in their minds, like what kind of a person like that would be, but they didn't really understand that like Vic was a people person. He was this guy that he, he loved being surrounded by people that he cared about, by people that cared about him. And you get the sense that once this happened, once all of this went down, he was isolated. He was alone. It was like he was for the first time in a long time, truly by himself. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, no, that was, I was going to say, absolutely. And, and that was one of the, the goals I wanted out of the interview was to really allow people to kind of connect this, uh, this person who they've seen court documents about, you know, they've seen, they've seen them in anime, they've seen him, well, they've even seen him at conventions. A lot of the people who are, who are watching and who have been following this, you know, they've, they've met Vic over time. And I, one, I think that's one of the reasons why he has remained relatively successful and popular through all this is that 
people have met him and their meeting impressions do not match up with the uh, with the things that have been said about him. So, but I, w- I wanted people to get like to know Vic a little bit more in in some of the ways that I've gotten to know him over the past two years. Uh, when I'd see him at conventions and stuff like that and get to spend a little bit of uh, personal time with him, that this is a guy who, you know, he actually does this stuff. He actually answers these emails. He actually enjoys going to conventions and meeting people because he seems to really kind of care about those people. Um, And if you've if you go to a convention where Vic is, uh, a lot of times you'll notice after the show or whatever, you can typically find him hanging around with people, just kind of talking very candidly, uh, sitting around, maybe smoking a cigar or something like that. And, and, um, and people have had really good experiences with that, but not everybody gets to. So uh, I wanted to bring that through the interview because uh, this is that's been something I've talked about so much is, is how much that the particular sort of attack on him, um, how much that would affect him. If you know him at all, like as you get to meet him and you see him in front of uh, a crowd of people who are waiting for his autograph, how he's, he's actually entertaining and engaging the crowd between autographs and stuff to keep people, you know, realizing that they're standing there for sometimes an hour or two waiting in line. And he will he will engage uh, people. He he just seems to like like people and and respect them in in some way. So yeah, I was at several. I was at a couple of uh, Vic's meetings, and both times it was at Bubba Fest and Anime Matsuri. Took like two three hours, but the reason why is just because like that kind of it, it, because he loves talking to people and like. Um, there was, there's this guy named Tom Scum. sure some of you guys know this, <laughs> whenever he goes to convention, he's like, I kind of have to assume everyone I talk to is autistic. <laughs> right. And so yeah. like you have, you have these animators probably on the spectrum, you know, and they have like this dude that they admire and respect because Vic is like, probably like, he's one of the most talented voice actors, like voice actors out there in the anime sphere. There's a reason why he's like the most popular one. Um, but they have someone they respect, look him in the eyes for the first time smile on their face, tell them how much they appreciate him that being there. They, and it's like, it's, it's a, it's a profound experience for them. Cause it's like something they don't really get at home. So with that over time, with his reputation, be like, he's going to respect you and treat you nicely, no matter who you are, what you look like. Everyone loves being around him. And there's not a whole lot of people like in cons in general that treat people that nicely and that respectfully, especially like if you're like a little gay loser on the internet that loves anime, you know? And it's good you said that because you you contrast Vic with some of the other voice actors that are popular in the industry. And like it's a huge step down, number one, in terms of popularity, but also in how they handle the fans. Like you get a real sense that some of these voice actors would rather not be doing these events, would rather not be shaking hands with some of these people. You know, they kind of have that smelly Walmart people sort of attitude about some of their fans. And Vic is just completely antithetical to that. He loves interaction with the fans. He loves talking to them. If this is all he did for the rest of his life and didn't do anything else but interact with fans, he would be so happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even, you know, I, 
again, my, my limited con going experience is I've been to about five or six different conventions now and you can see it's not just anime voice actors, you know, it's, it's any con guest. Um, a lot of them, it's, it's like, I'm going to go do my time. I'm going to retreat away, uh, as fast as possible when my time is done. Um, it's, these are, these are jobs and some people like doing jobs, right? Like they like their job and then other people do the job because they have to anime voice acting does not pay well to the overwhelming majority of voice actors. Uh, uh until you're, until you're a Chris Sabat or a Sean Schemmel, um, you know, voicing major iconic characters in, in shows that repeat, uh, quite a bit and then getting, um, movie deals and stuff like that. You're, you're really not making much money. Most of these people are making, uh, for, for your average show, $75 an hour, which sounds like a lot until you realize that a, a whole episode probably takes, uh, one to two hours tops of a voice acting work from any particular voice actor. So, um, uh, the, the shows that they're recording 20, 20 episodes of they're getting, they're getting like somewhere between 1500 and $3,000 to do that whole season of a show. They don't get royalties. They don't get benefits. They don't get anything else where they really make money is by going to conventions and, and, uh, you utilizing their, their voices, those characters to bring in fans to meet them. And that, that is, uh, so, so a lot of them are there sort of grudgingly. They have to do it. That's their income. They're not making a lot from the studio itself. I, I, I've actually seen Vic a few times too. Um, and you're not, you're not bullshitting. Like he will just, it, it's weird because you, he wasn't the first voice actor that I, you know, saw the thing of, or, you know, been in a signing or whatever. So he already kind of had a, um, an idea how these things go. And he almost was like, took me aback because like, Oh, you, you you just stand out here and just talk with me. Cause usually there's like a guardedness, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, like, you know, don't, <laughs> Don't don't take up too much of the talent's time. They have to talk to all these other people, you know. It's the, you know, it's kind of a, very much of an assembly line kind of thing at like a uh, a signing or, or at a you know um, at a, at a panel. It's like oh you know you talk to them when you go up to the microphone, and after that you know they got to do their thing. And there's nothing. I'm not against that because I get that. You know you you, you got you you know you don't want to take too much time, but it, like it almost threw me off with Vic stuff because like oh oh you just go up to him. You could just you could just go up to him and talk to him. It's like that joke, like oh, you know, the ducks at the park are free. You could just take one home. I have four hundred and thirty-seven ducks. <laughs> yeah, you you can just go up to Vic Mignogna and talk to him. There's no like issue, like oh no, don't 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 harass the talent. And I get why they have don't harass the talent, you know, because let's be real. A lot of these people convention are fucking weirdos. Uh, they, they, a lot of them can't separate the 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 actor from the character, and they think oh, if I make friends with the actor, I'll make friends with my favorite character. You know, it's. But he will just, he'll do it. He'll, you, he'll just chat with you, like, after a panel, after a signing. He'll just chat. And it's, it's, it, it, again, it threw me the hell off, but it really does show the difference. And again, I don't fault the other actors for not doing that. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's important to draw a distinction. You know, some people, uh, some people, some actors are like Vic, and they really thrive in the environment. Vic, Vic seems to be one of the best. In fact, when I was, uh, I was at Bubba Fest and after the show, I was waiting, um, 
before, you know, I was waiting for Vic to get done after the show. And I was up in the guest area above a fest because I was a media guest. And uh, a news team came in and they were interviewing uh, Flash Gordon, right? I can't remember the guy's name. Super nice guy. Uh, but they're interviewing Flash Gordon. He's talking about, they're asking about conventions and all that stuff. And he says, if you want to really know, if you want to really talk to the person who knows conventions and who loves this and does it better than everybody else, you talk to that guy. And he points right at Vic. And so it's, you know, he's, he's really, really good at this. And it's, you get that way when you really, really like doing something. So there's, there's a couple people like that. And then there's the, the majority of people who are kind of in the middle. They, they're there to do the job. That doesn't mean that they hate or, or dislike the audience or anything like that, but they're, they're just there to do the job. They might even be mildly uncomfortable just meeting all of those people. It can, get, it can be very uh, exhausting if you're not like a pure extrovert. And then there's, the, there's a small group of, of uh, voice actors who have a genuine disdain for the people that are there. You know, they might put on a smiley face when people come up to their table, but afterwards they absolutely hate it. And and you can see the you can see it. Uh you can see it behind the scenes or backstage when they get done. Um you can hear it in comments that they make and sometimes you can even see it manifest on Twitter um with how they treat their with how they treat their fans uh ignoring the fact that those fans literally pay for them to live. I've and I said this on your show. I think I think I said this on your show, but a little bit of that blame actually does go to the fans and not just like, oh, because they are. Gro no, because like you didn't see this, Nick, you weren't you weren't knee deep in the trenches at the time. But like in the early days of fandom, these people had their dick sucked on the daily. Like I the worship that existed for anime voice actors. I don't think you can even compare it to like tabloid ce regular celebrity shit. Because that would be like, oh, uh, like a bored housewife. Like, what's the hot goss? You know, what's wh who who's dating who? No, with with um with voice actors in the anime fandom, it was just you're just so amazing. I love you. Oh my god, just all the time. And this is yeah. what they heard all the time. Like like panel after panel was just like I would want to go to voice actor panels because I just would find the behind the scenes stuff interesting. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm going to go to this voice actor's panel. Maybe they'll tell some behind-the-scenes story of the making of when they were do dubbing this show or what they did to get into character. You know, that's the kind of stuff I want to hear. But ha And that it would be there, but half of it would be like, oh, my God, I loved you in this. Can you say this line in so-and-so's voice? Uh, oh, my God. Okay, okay. I wrote a fanfic, right? And uh, is this a line that your character says in my fanfic? Can I just – could you hear – they'll, like, they'll pull out a piece of paper out of their pocket and unfold it and uh. like start walking up, walk up to the table. Could you say this line in, in the character's voice? Hold on. Let me, let me get my phone. I'm going to record this. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Well, it's okay. also like, like yeah. early 2000s con etiquette just wasn't a thing too. Like uh, – there's, like, there's a reason a they have called... to put into the pamphlets at the conventions. Please, for the love of Cos God, shower. Oh, cosplay is not consent. Ooh. You can't just touch people without asking permission. Like you just... <laughs> um, But that wasn't a thing in the early 2000s when they sort of started well, that's, that, that's not even... Those aren't even the issue. It was just the hardcore worship of these people and a lot there's also like a lot of people that are into anime have social problems and that's not me making a joke or a dig they do you and have to because of, these people are autistic like <laughs> you have these people that that have a hard time separating fantasy from reality 
So in their minds, these people are the characters. And if they befriend that actor, which now they're desperate to do, they'll befriend the character. And they'll befriend, quote-unquote, the actor in their head because the actor said something friendly to them, and that's the first time anyone's ever talked to them in a friendly tone of voice. So now they're friends, and they're constantly just reply guy dick-sucking on social media. So for, like, 10-plus years, the, these people had been in this environment where they were wor like worshipped. It really is the word. I mean, that's not even hyperbole at this point. They were worshipped. And that does things to you. And now we're seeing the results of these people have being just, it's dick sucking on a level. I don't like it. it you think standing, I, this is like a different thing. Like it well, really it's is like, like it's, it's like, and, and remember, imagine all of them are dream. Well, that's with, what the, with standing, that's with standing doesn't mean something in particular. Okay. So standing is like, you don't, you, it's almost like, you know, you can't interact with this person. That's why it's so popular with K-pop. It's like, they know they, there's no chance they'll ever be able to interact with this person with, with anime conventions. They're right there in front of you. So it's, like, it's, it's not like a, it's not like you, it's like you can, you can physically touch them. You can see them in front of your face. You can interact with them in real life. It's like a relative of standing. It's not exactly standing, but it's in the same genealogy. And it had been going on for over a decade. And when you get to that, and a lot of these people are not strong-willed, intelligent people. They're actors. They're voice actors. So they just, that poison took hold, and those, their heads just inflamed. Like, do you think Steve Bloom would be preaching politically 10 years ago? Fuck no. But... You spend all that time not only building up success in your industry, but then just, oh, God, I love you. I love you. You're well, so like, great. You're just, that's kind of just a problem across all social media, too, when any kind of like person gets popular and then they get like some kind of notoriety and they think that they're a god or either it's they either think they're a god or they feel like, oh, well, you know, I have to appease the mob because I have to be like the social whatever, uh, you know, a socially aware kind of person. So I think it's a combination of the two. And it's just it's like. With okay. that kind of like acting sphere too, it's like they. I mean, a lot of actors are just leftists in general because they're all a bunch of gay theater kids, right? And they never, <laughs> they never like knew any other way. So I mean, that's also a combination of it too. I think though, it's that and that mentality environment left themselves open to when the big cult of leftism came rolling in like a dust storm around the around twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen. Like when that happened, they were just incredibly vulnerable to that so you already had that that poison of the big-headedness being grown from being told i love you by crazy people at all times and then that happened and that just birthed this toxic piece of shit and i think that's a lot of the, the what's happening to vic too like obviously there's like yeah. oh well well you know he's succeeding and we're not we gotta get rid of him but you combine that with the fact that he believes different things than they do well, it's like, also and a lot like, of them a lot of them have issues with their Christian parents. A lot of them are are politically obsessed. So because of the fact that he believes different things, well, that will piss them off. So but, they saw an opportunity to bump him off to not only further their own careers, but to get that ew icky ew guy out of our out of our clique. Like ew, he's stinking up the place with his with his Jesus his hair and Trump. Gel. <laughs> his, his his Jesus and Trump ew. Um, so like so. the thing is that, that would, that's where a lot of the Vic Mignogna hey first manifested because like I mean like, when you hear Vic Mignogna even back in like 2010s it was like like you had nothing but positivity right except for like 
weird boards ran by women, right? Like mostly CGL, right? CGL is like one of the only places I ever remember seeing because they would post like co- like convention horror stories and all that. And most of them are made up because they involved rape and women have rape fantasies. Um, other than that, so like they they would like um they would just say, oh, Vic Mignogna took my Twizzlers. Like, it did be fucking stupid petty shit like that. He was so rude to me, he took my Twizzlers and just fucking left. And then, <laughs> and then it'd be like, there'd be other stories where um, they, they mostly just didn't like him because he was not into the gay shit that was being pushed by a bunch of, like, um, Fujoshis. Well, that's where the original, like, the fake story that was paraded around by people like Mars Girl, that's where that comes from. Because there were so many fangirls that were upset that he wouldn't sign um, gay art depicting his characters, that they started to talk amongst each other and just make up these stories, and they would spread them on places like CGL, like on places like Pull. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's part of the that's part of the issue was when this blew up. It I think the reason he didn't take it as seriously at first because it seemed like it was another wave of that because that's coming waves over the years. So mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, if if I just ignore it. Um, you know, it'll go away, but no, this was different. And I think he might've realized a little too late that this was different, but at least now he's, he's fighting back and he seems to be recovering. Um, he's not in like anime shit, but he is still getting work elsewhere and he's still getting, you know, making money at conventions. And yeah. uh, And the, the interesting thing about his, uh, his appearances lately is um, he's he's obviously not able to run the same schedule of the same size conventions that he was doing a couple years ago. He's uh, you know some of the some of the big ones um, which have heavy Funimation attendance. Uh, he's he's not really allowed to go to. We saw that he was canceled from SAC Anime, for example, because they were going to have a bunch of My Hero Academia voice actors there, and they they kind of made some threats to SAC Anime. Uh, that said, if you have Vic there, you're not going to have, you're not going to have us. And then if you don't have us, you're probably not going to have Funimation actors ever again. And SAC anime is like, well, I don't know how we're going to run anime shows without Funimation actors. And this is the leverage that they, they kind of have. So he's, he's not in all of these big shows, but the shows that he does now, um, and the, even the small appearances that he does are better attended than ever. Uh, yeah. He did a he did a show in San Antonio, a one day show, the other day, and had uh, about eight hundred people come through his line, which is a phenomenal amount. It takes it takes somewhere around eight to ten hours to get through that many people, um, just because of how much. If you if you think about it, if you're spending a minute with each person who comes up, you know they're gonna they're gonna get an autograph. They're going to, they're going to pick out a picture. They're going to buy an autograph. They're going to talk to Vic for a few minutes. They may, for a few seconds, they may take a picture with him. Even if you average that out at at a minute, a person, that's only 60 people an hour. If you have 800 people showing up, I mean, you are, you are churning through time as you're doing that. And he said, uh, he said on the show that he signed from noon straight through to 10 PM. And, and so that's a, that's a huge thing. And this is just at a, it's just at a shop in a mall um, where he's able to go. He brings tons of people, tons of people still want to see him. Um, he provides a, a great entertainment experience while people are there. And he also gets to provide some of that interpersonal stuff that he's so great at. I mean, heck, I, it, it disgusts me in a way because I'm really bad with names 
and putting names to faces uh, of people that I've met. It's not a skill that I've developed and it's not a talent that I have. Um, but when, when the times I've been with Vic, he'll, he'll see someone come up to the table and he's like, I saw you at such and such convention three years ago. And you told me about how you were struggling with this thing. How's that going? And the person is blown away as they, as you would be right. Yeah. Like any, it's not even a celebrity does that. Anybody remembers one time that you met them three years ago and you remember what you talked about. That is, that's a level of connection that people don't get to experience very often. And so he, he does that. And that's why people keep coming to see him. And that's why everywhere he goes, he's able to bring in these crowds. And the, the thing to me, at some point, some of these conventions are going to realize that, that the voice actors need those conventions as much as the conventions need the voice actors. And and so they're going to stop listening to them so much because right now voice actors act like they are making the convention. Um, and, and I think conventions need to take the, the very realistic and pragmatic uh, business approach that they are providing a venue for the, for the voice actor to actually earn money. Um, and that, that's a thing. A convention is a whole lot more than just voice actors showing up. Sure, they bring they bring some people in, but a lot of people go for the vendors, you know, and and the other events that are going on. And so they can they can fill ranks with voice actors and those voice actors want to go to them. They make money. Uh, they make money at these shows when when they go and when people show up. And so once conventions figure that out and start going, oh, if I if I have this person come to my show, they're going to sell. 200 to 500 extra tickets of people who want to visit them. Those ticket sales are going to turn into increased money for vendors, uh, going to turn into increased signings for other uh, talent that's there. And all of that is going to flow upward into the convention. And that's a good thing. Once they realize that, um, they, will, they will be, uh, I think, in a better position. And they need to take a stronger negotiating position with some of these people. Because without the conventions... Um, you know, people like Monica, Jamie Markey or whatever, they, without those conventions, bringing them there, they, they don't have anything. They don't, they don't earn money from voice acting. Not yeah. enough. Well, it's also like with, with Vic in particular, because he's got such like a nostalgia lens, like on a lot of people, especially around mine, Cody and Gator's age, like he'll always be like somebody's like, You'll be you'll always be Edward Elric. Like you'll always be like, you know, somebody's first anime they've ever watched. Like he'll or his like people's Broly. Like he will have that nostalgic lens. And regardless if he's still working in the anime scene or working with any of these anime voice actors, he still like has a dedicated audience because like a lot of those I mean, literally, like it's like if I didn't watch um Full Metal Alchemist, I probably wouldn't be as a huge a degenerate as I am now. So I have to thank him for that. <laughs> like, to obtain by, by something way, of equal value must be lost that is alchemy's first law of equivalent I, exchange I, I equivalent something entertainment for you know years of my life watching um anime girls twirling around singing songs so thank you it, it's, <laughs> thank it's you. funny it's funny on, on that uh on that subject because when i saw my first exposure to him was the full metal alchemist anime the first one and i hated it uh, the first, the the original, the original FMA anime is 
it's so bad it's but it starts good because that's when it's you know pulling from the manga and then it gets in its own story and it's fucking terrible so that was my main exposure to him was the main character in this piece of shit um i later i saw i read the manga and saw brotherhood and that's fucking great uh and uh you know and i saw him in other stuff too but like my first and then i thought he was horribly miscast as the original broly because it's so clear he's just doing a voice outside his range and that's why he always talks about you know how much that role hurt him and i remember seeing the broly well also the the drag ball z dub back in the day was atrocious but and the, so that just kind of highlighted the problem of just why did you cast him? Like, Broly, you wanted, like, someone with a deep voice, you know, that growl, the low thing. Or someone, like, with the, the Japanese guy, who wasn't super low, but he sounded, like, like vicious. Like, Bin Shimada, I think, was his Japanese actor. And he just, you go, you hear that Kakarot scream, and he just goes in. Kakarot! Um, yeah, Vic was neither. And it's like, why is he playing Broly? This is just... So that's my first two experiences with this guy. Is like, you're in a bad show and you're miscast in this other show. Thanks, and Cody. Then, <laughs> I just think about it because now he's like one of my favorite actors, like voice actors. And uh, you know, I saw him a lot of other stuff and he was great. I just think it's funny that, you know, with how things went, you know, especially with my involvement in the whole... That's like his two most famous roles now is Full Metal and uh, Broly. And he, I mean, he got better with Broly in like video game appearances, and then the the Super movie, he was he fucking killed it. But that Broly was very different. Um, mm-hmm. But I just think it's it's kind of funny to look back. At not only how much I like this guy's overall work, but and the fact that I got involved in this whole debacle the way I did. That my first exposure to him was like, this is crap. <laughs> And it really is hard to believe how long it's been since the uh, the big anime stream that we all did. It was me, you, Yellow Flash, Hirohei. Like, if that feels like a million years ago. Yeah, it's half of that. Yeah. Half of those guests don't even talk to me anymore. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was just a little uh, shit starter. Uh, I apologize for nothing. <laughs> it- it's I mean, it really was a long time ago. And I think that's that that's something that I deal with all the time is people are like, this is still going on. It's like, well, I mean, kind of it's kind of still going on. It's in whole it's on a, a big holding pattern right now. But, yeah, it's not done. This stuff takes forever. And that's that's the truly horrific nature of this um, this this accusation culture that we've been building is that. Doing the damage takes one one wave um, on Twitter. That's it. And and uh, Cody, you mentioned earlier that these kind of things had come up in the past. You know, not the same stuff, but um, like a wave of of angst would come across and and hit the bow of Vic's uh, Vic's ship. If we're taking the metaphor too far, yeah. <laughs> but uh, this, you know, he'd be. Uh, he wouldn't sign some art and someone would would complain about him uh, that there's that weirdo LJ Montello or whatever uh, who who would whine and say that he like stole a projector, which is nonsense. Um, and it's it's such a silly accusation that it almost it should just be laughed at. But, you know, those would pop up and then they'd go away. And, uh, well, for example, LJ Montello said he was, um, 
banned from a convention. Uh, so he went to a convention. The next year he didn't go. Uh, she tells everybody he was banned from the convention. And then the next year he went back. And it turns out it was just the convention cycled through guests and didn't have the same guests show up every year. Instead, they had them every other year. And uh, and so he was just going, he just was, it was the, the years between. But she would raise a big stink about it because she personally doesn't like him um, for whatever reason. I mean, maybe she caught him on a bad day. I don't know. It doesn't really matter at the the end of the day, uh, what, what particular reason it is, but these things would come in, in waves as they do against anybody who's got any level of notoriety. The, the difference is when, when there's a magic confluence of events. And I think this one was, this was timed at the same time that Broly released. So if you're searching for stuff about Broly searching Vic Mignogna and the, the wave of, of BS hits at the same time, it's going to get amplified. And it did. It got retweeted by uh, some people who they don't have big followings, but they have a disproportionate impact on their retweets. It's a whole weird thing that goes on on Twitter, but uh, it got retweeted by some of them. And eventually it got retweeted by some coworkers. And those are the, those are the sort of chain of lightning rods that made this thing explode. And yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think he was ready for this to happen because similar sort of things had gone up by in the past and just blown over because it's just a couple disgruntled people and no one really cares. But now once this happened, it was, it was over. I mean, his, the destruction of his career in private took 14 days, January, uh, less than that. January 16th. Uh, through January 20 by the 27th or the 29th, he was fired from Funimation. Uh, so, so that part took, you know, less than, less than two weeks. And then what, what followed was uh, less than 30 days total by February 11th, Funimation had made their public post. And by that point, the entire damage was done. Uh, a 20 year career was completely demolished um, in, in, under 30 days and trying to fight that off and rebuild it and recover from that. We're now two and a half years in with no sign of this having a, a conclusion at any particular point. And, and that, that just highlights to me the danger of this sort of accusation culture that, that we're in. And, um, and it's, uh, uh, it's another thing I wanted to express in the interview is like how long it has been, but how quickly all of this stuff tumbled down and that no one, no one can respond to this stuff appropriately. Um, or I should say no one could, people are starting to learn now, um, what to do, but they, they just, there's, there was no formula for it. The, the, and, and we've seen, we've seen cancellations across a whole bunch of different genres and most of them, you know, they end up being successful uh because no one knows how to how to respond to this and how to That's, actually it's interesting because it's actually kind of happened again twice and it didn't work out as well for the so they tried it on johnny young bosch um they they went after him and he gave like an unequivocal like you look at how vic handled it right it was very it was it was soft basically yep when they tried it on johnny young bosch uh, who's known to be very Vic-like in his interaction with, the, like, how close he is with fans and just being a decent dude and uh, not being a crazy lefty. 
um, he did not leave and let that chicken off the ground. He basically like, hey, I know what you're doing. I'm not having it. Shut up, essentially. Um, he, he went in hard, made a public statement. He's just like, nah. And that died off. We also saw that with, they tried, like, the legend, Jim Cummings. Um, what? I'm a, yeah, y'all know who Jim Cummings is, I'm Yes, assuming. I know who he Winnie, is. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh, man. Uh, oh, he's, God, that don't that even scratch the surface, everything he does. Especially if you grew up in the 90s, like, everything Disney did had him in it. And, yeah. like, as something prominent. So he's big. And uh, his wife, his ex-wife, he was in a messy divorce. And his ex-wife is a crazy bitch. And uh, made all these accusations that he, like, abused their dog, that he, um, like, would uh, sexually assault her when she didn't want it, and that he molested their kids, all this shit. Um, but it's interesting when that happened, the other, like, the L.A. non-anime voice actors, like the cartoon veteran voice actors, rallied around him. And, and Jim Cummings is not ideologically with them he jim most people don't know jim cummings is a right-wing guy he's an old school conservative guy um so the, it's not like it's not like okay yeah well he votes the way they do so they're going to support him you know like those le- lefty voice actors rallied around jim cummings like no i know jim we've not I've known jim for a long time he's not that kind of guy uh jim fought it he he fought his wife in court including about the accusations and he won and he got full custody of their kids because I guess the court agreed, like, oh, my God, this woman's a psychopath. And uh, so, yeah, he, he got full custody of the kids and, and all that blew over. And he didn't lose any jobs. He didn't lose any roles. Uh, the, the environment in that, because not all voice actors are in the same environment. There's like the anime right. voice actors in Texas, L.A., New York, Canada, and then you have the, the non-anime people and the video game voice actors and all this is, is different cliques. And the way these other cliques handle this kind of stuff is just so markedly different. Like you could tell this was like a hit job in the Texas scene. And Funimation, because of their standing in the anime industry, were able to affect these other so – like, Vic has friends in L.A. If Vic went back to L.A., they would like to hire him, but Funimation has much more clout and pull than these other studios. So if yeah. Funimation doesn't want him working, they could lose spots at conventions if they piss off Funimation. That's the, kind of the state right. we're in right now. And that's a good point, too, because um, one of the things that was covered in the interview was the fact that Vic was hanging out and talking to these, you know, these people that he thought were his friends right up until this plan was executed. Um, he was talking about how he was on a golf course smoking cigars with Christopher Sabat, and it seemed like everything was cool. Everything was fine. He was you know, talking with Jamie, talking with Monica, and it was as if, you know, things were fine. There were, but all of this stuff was happening behind the scenes, and you kind of get a sense that, you know... At least this is my indication that a lot of this kind of circulates around Christopher Sabat. And it's, you know, kind of my personal theory that I think he saw this job offer of Vic becoming a full time guy at Funimation, you know, actually being in charge more of more productions and having more of a say so that you kind of get the feeling that, you know, we talked about how these egos of these voice actors have been inflated over the years. You get the kind of feeling that Christopher Sabat kind of felt like Vic was moving in on his territory. You know, yes. you've got a guy that's already 
you know, the most popular voice actor on the same level as Shemmel and Sabat. And if he gets this much more power, you know, how much more popular is he going to get? And so, you know, the accusations really don't mean anything. You kind of get the sense that it was a hit job because Christopher Sabat was jealous of Vic Mignogna's success, and they decided this was going to be the way to take him out. And they were all smiles right up until the moment they stabbed him right in the back. I wouldn't say it's jealousy. I think he saw Vic as a threat. Like, Sabat's kind of like an anime anime industry Weinstein in a lot of ways. And Did he also masturbate in a potted plant? Is this what you're I saying? Mean, I mean, he's done some shit. You gotta uh, water the plants, though. <laughs> <laughs> um... So Vic was basically going up the ranks and was poised to have a position very similar to Sabbat, where, yeah, you're not the head of Funimation, but you basically run things. And he was, Vic was getting to a similar position of influence, and Sabbat saw him as a threat. And, yeah, I think a lot of this, it's a combination of a lot of these people didn't like Vic because he wasn't one of them. And... Sabbath saw him as a threat and wanted him gone. And it was easy to get rid of, to pull something like this to get rid of him because all these other people wanted to get rid of Vic for petty reasons. So that gave him the opening to get rid of Vic for like personal gain. And I think well, that's and, a lot of what we're seeing. And what, what people may not know is uh, Vic hinted at it, or he may have, he might, may have spoken directly to it in the interview. Um, but uh, but not with a ton of detail, is that there was a group of people um, that were trying to get Vic uncast from Broly when they cast it. And, you know, so this was this was well back uh, into 2018 when they're casting Broly um, and and they did not. You know, there were a group of Funimation voice actors. I believe Sabat is one of them based on based on the tale. And this is coming from uh, my understanding is that this information comes from somebody who's involved in those casting decisions there at Funimation that uh, there's a group of people and they said, we don't want Vic in this role. And that was basically um, undone like that, that got overridden because he was Broly. Uh, he's also wildly popular and all of that stuff. And so I think it was Toei, people at Toei, the, the American division of Toei animation wanted him back because he has friends over there. Like Toei, right. you know, that's the people that actually produce the Dragon Ball animes. And, and I, I will say though, that there's also, uh, there's also a suggestion that I have gotten from inside Funimation that, um, that Japan did not want Vic to voice Broly, not because they had any problem with Vic, but because the way anime is in Japan is different than the United States. They literally wanted an A-list actor to voice Broly for their, for their big release. Because Japan is looking at the Broly movie being released in the U.S. as if it were um, a Marvel movie, right? Like that's not... Maybe not understanding that Funimation doesn't have the capability to to do that. They don't have the distribution and marketing chops to make that happen. They don't have the but money to hire an A-list actor to come in and voice a character, well, and, really. And that's that's basically what Funimation replied with to Japan was, well, uh, you you want like and and from what I heard, it, it was like a Tom Cruise or a Vin Diesel or something like that that they're wanting to hire. And so basically, Funimation's response is, "Do you want to spend the ten million dollars? Because 
we 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 don't have that kind of change, right? And uh, and and for reference, um, the highest paid actor uh, on that show was not Vic on on Bro- the Broly movie was not Vic, um, and they you know they're into the six figures um, on what they made, but uh, it is so so going into a seven uh, a seven figure voice deal with an A-list actor is just not in that kind of budget. So uh, for, yeah, I, I, again, you never know how much people know about the anime industry. And I've been learning a lot about how uh, the production side of it works uh, as I talk to people who, who are insiders in this thing. But, um, but yeah, the, high, the highest paid voice actors on Broly were, were getting in the low six figures. Uh, which is a good payday for sure, but that's a far cry from what you'd have to pay, you know, a Tom Cruise, a Chris Pratt, something like that, who's who's uh, a super hot actor at the time. Um, so yeah, Japan wanted an A-lister. Funimation gave them a reality check, and then basically what came out is uh, is that there were there were people still uh, at the higher levels of either Funimation or Toei USA or whatever who are saying, no, we, we, we're going to have Vic do this. We're going to keep consistent with the character. Uh, people like him. It avoids, when you think about it, it avoids drama of uh, why are you hiring another voice actor or whatever. And this is before the accusations came forward too. This is almost like a, a shot across the bow. These people tried to do, can we take him out professionally? No, didn't work. So, they go after the other aspect of it, and I think I think that's the big difference that um, uh, in in some of the, the the other situations that you highlighted, Cody, is that with with Jim Cummings, uh, there wasn't there wasn't a concerted effort amongst his peers to remove him. Um, with Vic, there was, and the same thing with Johnny Young Bosch. For whatever reason, uh, they didn't latch onto those accusations. Now, I'll, Johnny Young Bosch me... isn't in that. Texas clique is not a threat to anybody. He's just, in fact, he well, doesn't really do much anime anymore. He sort of leveled up to the video game sect mostly. Well, let, so. let me suggest one more thing though. All of the things that the voice actors accused Vic of at the end of the day, all of them have actual blood on their hands of the exact same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, if people get wrapped up in these accusations against Vic and that these people were somehow like especially offended, it's like, oh, they went after Vic because the the things were particularly egregious that they accused him of. Um, that couldn't be further from the truth. And you, all you have to do to find out about that is is talk to a couple convention runners. And every one of them will tell you, I have stories on every single one of these people doing the exact same or far worse than what they accused Vic of, which he has denied all of those things even occurring. So it's yeah, the the convention scene back in the late 90s, early 2000s was was it was like a frat party a lot of the time. Like it was early conventions were nuts. They were they were literal rock and roll stars coming through. And when you have a rock and roll star, you get you get groupies and you get uh, you get free access to or free access to sex and drugs. I mean, and, and tons of liquor. So you, you get 
you get the a recipe for some uh, good old fashioned debauchery. It happened at all of these conventions, uh, you know, with with several people. The funny thing is, is that Vic is actually not that type of person. I think people have a have an impression that he's he's the type of guy who, uh, you know, runs around to conventions and and hounds on girls or whatever. But but they're actually he's actually not. And I've I've talked to voice actors who. Uh, have suggested that they they didn't hang around him as much because he wasn't enough of a ladies' man. That he was he wasn't as smooth as he was them. Kind of boring, it, it, basically, in their eyes. Well, he kinda, was like he was he, telling he, us he, like he didn't even have like his first drink until he was like thirty or something. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, and and I think people may have gotten a sense from the interview. He he said it, but you could kind of get it as well. He's a pretty insecure guy at the end of the day. And that's, he said, that's why, that's why we're actors. We're not really secure in who we are. And we, we like the affirmation that we can get from playing a character. It, uh, it's, it's a nice ego boost, which is playing exactly into what you said, Cody, about how early on it was this like idolatry coming towards these voice actors, everything they did. These people are, are just shoving praise upon them and if you think of someone who is uh who is insecure and needs affirmation i mean that's cocaine just mainlined right into them yeah and so um you know Vic, Vic very much uh thrives on the praise but at the same time um is insecure in in who he is or at least he was i assume i think there's probably still a little bit of it uh in there but but so the the idea that um, he's some, uh, Giga Chad running, running around, pulling yeah. random chicks aside for liaisons is, is it's a kind of a Mimi caricature. It's not really true. Wait, and again, you, I, did you say Giga? Giga Chad. Yeah. You said Mimi too. <laughs> no, Mimi yeah. is right, but it's Giga. What the hell are you Wait, doing? No, no, not when we're meme. talking, when we're talking, uh, well, I was saying Mimi, M-E-M-E-Y. Yeah. So oh. not. Uh, but no, when we're talking Chad levels, uh, it, it goes beyond Giga and straight up to Giga. Uh, you have to, we're, we're in, we're in Japanese chattery here. It's gotta be Giga. Gal no. Chad. <laughs> yeah. Giga Chad. Uh, so, so, and, and again, I, I can confirm this from, uh, some of his colleagues who I've spoken with about it and they, Vic was not. Vic was cramping their lady pulling style. You know, that's just. Yeah. And With so his pants it's like, and everything. <laughs> shockingly, they look at him and they go, oh, I guess I guess that guy's off the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's also where a lot of the resentment they had for him came from. It's it's kind of the thing I talked about before. He has a different belief than them. And that also ties into like, you know, we're trying to we're in these conventions trying to trying to get shit done in this fucking Stick in the mud. This wet just, blanket. <laughs> yeah, this wet blanket's just cramping all our style. I think that kind of contributed to the the talk behind his back and and hell, there were they were doing shit about him before we realized. Like that fucking cringy ass video that Sean Schimmel and Sonny Strait made that was like both yeah. them doing an impression of him, which from what I understand, Strait uh, regrets it. Schimmel does not. Schimmel's a Prick and a half. Well, the uh, the one credit to Sean Schemmel is that he was honest about his hatred of Vic to Vic's face. 
I mean, like that there was what never there what I mean on one hand, yes, but on the other hand, it's much better in my opinion to know where you stand with someone. I he guess made so. he 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 is one of the people who has always resented Vic because of his faith, and that stems from Sean's own uh, struggles and drama with faith in his personal life. And that's just, you know, you're not going to overcome that. And, and he basically made that very clear. Whereas you have uh, Vic talking about Chris Sabat and saying how, you know, he's, he's on the golf course with this guy smoking cigars. And at that time um, he finds out later that, that he had already been telling other, uh, other actors that he was an abuser. And, and it's like that, that two-faced approach is much more insidious to me than someone coming up and just being like, hey, I don't like you. It's like, good, I don't like you either. Fuck off. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, that's fine for me. Now now I know I'm not going to bother with you, and that's cool. I, I, don't, I, I don't have time anyway. Um, so it's, it, to me, the, you know, that's, that's far less of an egregious thing than what was done to him by Jamie, Monica, Sabbath. Uh, you know, people like that who are pretending to be his friend up until literally the day this stuff happens. So Schimmel just doesn't like him because Schimmel's a atheist fedora tipping figure that uh, can't well, handle the fact that someone he he apparently had very overbearing Christian parents uh, and uh, is one of those people that's still fighting with his parents into his 40s. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, and so so that sort of whatever emotional scarring he uh, he has there um, that that informs his opinion of of Christianity and Christians in general, and so uh, I think I get the impression that he can get along with with Christians who are just kind of passive, but you know Vic, a big part of who Vic is is his faith. I mean, he's composed Christian music. He he gives uh, he tries to give messages and encouragement to people. And I, I think he said this, but if he hasn't, um, I, I get the impression that uh, that he sees his success as almost like you know that's that's God giving him an opportunity for ministry. Um, if he hasn't said that directly, I think it's pretty easy to infer that he felt like he was where he was in his career for a reason. And so he always wanted to utilize that reason. And of course, that caused some reading at the uh, conventions because uh, he would he would on Sundays, he would say, hey, can I have, you know, can I have a little room, uh, you know, off uh, one of the convention rooms for a, a half hour to an hour to just kind of give some encouragement and and, uh, you know, and a, and a nice uh, Bible based message to people who want to show up. And of course, that was foisting his religion upon kids and all of this stuff or, or whatever. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I think that's something that Vic has always felt very strongly about. Yeah, there was that whole um, kind of well-known clip. I remember when this first blew up and uh, people were disparaging Vic's character. One of the things that back on the AO Twitter we would show a lot, they said, like, no, this is who this guy is, was the, um, the thing where he goes off on those, like, yeah yeah they're always because anyone who's been to some of these conventions has seen these people with the signs bangs saying like god hates you you're you're gonna die god you hates know, anime you, anime fans yeah. are going to hell you know stuff like yeah, that and he he went off like it is the angriest i've ever seen vic mignana he was not having it 
uh, it's actually a pretty great clip to watch. And what wasn't that? See, and that's one of the interesting things because weren't the particular people he went off uh, on? They were they were like shouting particularly anti-gay messages, like yeah. not just anti-anime stuff, but it it was like similar in scope and context to the Westboro Baptist stuff, yeah. where the, yes. God God thinks you gays are going to burn in hell, and um and Vic's like get out of here with that, like that yeah. this is not. This is not a Christian says, message. His this message was God loves everyone. I remember him specifically saying, "No, that's not what that's not what it's about. God loves everyone. God loves sinners. God loves the world. That's what the message well, is." Well, I think a lot of Vic's um, preaching, quote unquote, kind of stuff comes from the fact that he sort of recognizes what a lot of we do, but we respond to it a different way. He recognizes the plurality of people with autism or um, social outcasts or social rejects that are in the anime fandom and we'll make a lot of jokes about that which why wouldn't you but um he approaches that differently like oh i want to help these people and i think uh god will help these people i think god is what these people or just a little hope is what these people need uh he basically is a much better person than all of us in this regard. He sees this as like, oh, I want to do something to help them out because they seem like they're in a bad place as opposed to like a fucking weirdo. Let me tell some jokes. Um, Look at this artist over here. Like he, he won't say it, but you see it in how he will um, almost gin- like gingerly avoid saying it. Like, he's, like it was on Nick, the interview Nick did with him the other night where you bring like, yeah, a lot of these people are just society's rejects social outcasts are just socially inept and that causes them problems and he wants to help with your problem but he recognizes what we do and that's the approach he takes it's like well there's this thing called the bible that i think would really help you out in your troubles and well, like, uh, even like during his sermons like they're not like i mean sure they're like you know christian based but like he talk like he talks in a broad enough sense to where he's like well this is my like God is my guidance. This is what I believe in. And like, he's like, well, you don't necessarily have to believe in that. This is what I get from it personally. And this is what you, this is what it could do for you. So it's like, it has a Christian base on it, but it's also like, he brings up other stuff that you could find relatable. If you weren't like a Christian person, that makes any sense. It really is almost like you could make a meme joke out of it where it's like, um, uh, you see the people, the, the sad people on Twitter, right? Like the, the, Anime profile fix. Yeah, and TFD, TFD, T, I can't talk. TFW, yeah, TFW, no GF. Like those people that are like, like half of their Twitter profile is either um, hentai or depression posting. And Vic is basically going to those people and is like, uh, you know, you know what might have, like, you may have no GF, but you could have the Lord, you know? It's, It's like, I mean, obviously not the Lord specifically, but it's that general message of he like those specific people. He thinks he can help them with a little bit of God or faith or something like that. Vic just walks up and he's just like, anime girls are temporary, but God, God is forever. (laughs) That's basically what he's doing. Get your dick, get your hand off your dick and get your hand on a Bible. (laughs) <laughs> and i i admire him two for that. hands <laughs> i i admire him for that because i i myself recognize i'm unable to do something like that because i've been entrenched in the fandom and i've lost tolerance for a lot of these people 
because and I realize this the sort of you need like a level of I don't know say willpower but but to 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 encounter these types and not feel animosity because like especially you you deal with enough of them it's like god fuck these people well, like, like you, you earned look, your loneliness motherfucker look, like look, you just... Vic Pignana Vic Pignana is like a puppy okay he loves being around people regardless and he feels like he he just he just wants to fetch the bone he just wants to help out people and make them feel good about themselves just just to to be around someone like that and not just go just fuck off like I admire that because I'm unable to do that. I recognize <laughs> that I'm unable to do that. You never and work I, in retail, then. Well, I do. Oh, <laughs> well, well. sort of. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't work at the with I I work with you know the the heavy lifting stuff. Okay, but, so you don't have to do the whole like let me help you today, sir. And we think, oh my I god, mean, I have to another gay retard. Occasionally, but uh, it's perspective. Like retail is a lot easier when you've dealt with weirdo anime people that hold obsessive grudges with you for over half a decade because you said their favorite show is bad, which I have multiple of those. So at that point, your average Karen is like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> I know a I, lot I, about I do... people hating you for you know several years over things that you may or may not have said. Or perceived slights. I understand exactly where you're coming from, Cody. Oh, yeah, I, I too also understand people filming you and stalking you and trying to obsess over you because you disagree with them about something autistic on the internet. Wow. There, there is a, I have no a... idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there's a dude that like held on to a, a hate torch for like over, I think, I think we're on like eight, nine years now. Because I was on a podcast with him, and he's big into Baki the Grappler. And I said, Baki the Grappler is dog shit. And he had this weird reaction. I can't even imitate the noise he made. It was like, like I, I'm not actually having a spurg out, so I can't make the noise. It's like that kind of noise. And then, and then he was like really petty the rest of the podcast. And he's like fixated on my ass ever since to the point where when we finally launched Anime Outsiders, he immediately stole our website um, code and and graphics and shit to make uh anime insiders and tried to sell merch like make money off it and we had a guy that like that's that basically we, we put we, we put a legal kibosh on that like nah but um yeah that that, that and like i remember one time he had live streamed himself listening to our pod hate listening to our podcast and most of it was him in the dark uh sitting there listening to it not saying much uh just kind of stewing occasionally saying some shit and then at one point he just stopped listening to play a a cavalcade of fart sounds and then started drawing on a photo of me that was on the ao staff page and this sounds oddly it, familiar is this is this <laughs> is this the same guy that i've been dealing with no 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 um, this guy, he's he's kind of his internet presence is uh it's faded as he was he was like another anime podcaster and then he's just kind of now I think his Twitter account's on private now he doesn't do much I just remember it was funny that he would just bring us up randomly like I, I would occasionally be remember reminded that he exists when someone would tell me you know he's just talking about you now on Twitter like I don't even we didn't even release an episode for him to be mad about what is he, is he no he just brought you up just your general existence all because I said Baki the Grappler is bad. You That's all it took. You should have known that that was uh, not the correct opinion. Yeah, it, it is. It is though. It's very bad. 
the, I don't care how bad it is. I I like it. It's like the the guy that writes it's like a weird Japanese jingoist. It's actually kind of funny. He's like still bitter that Japan can't win MMA tournaments, so he writes in his story that Japan martial arts is superior to the rest of the world because he's bitter that Japan can't beat like a Brazilian in MMA and shit. I want to move on to the next uh, topic here because uh, it's still Vic Mignogna, but it's something I really wanted to highlight and one of the biggest takeaways from the interview, at least for me, doing this sort of like popular culture content and all this stuff, you don't really get a whole lot of time to really like interact with people that email you with like problems and stuff. You build this sort of parasocial relationship with your audience and sometimes you might be the only other person that they can really like talk to about things that are going on in their life, things that are upsetting them, things that are stressful. And some of these people are at their wits end. And I think it's really commendable that a guy like Vic, who doesn't have to do this, by the way, but he will try his best to respond to every single personal email. People come to him and you know talk about their problems, that they're struggling, and Vic reaches out to them. He talks to them. He shares you know, he shares his love, his affection with them. And there's people, there's there's friends of mine that have emailed Vic, talked to Vic because they were stressed out about something or struggling with something that they wouldn't even tell me. They wouldn't even tell me about. Uh, because, you know, it's 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 different. It's sometimes you just can't like tell your friends stuff because you don't want them to think less of you or you don't want them to worry about you. But they reach out to Vic, they talk with Vic, and you know, it kind of gives them that little bit extra motivation, hope, whatever you want to call it, to change their mindset. I've been at conventions. Uh, I've met Vic exactly once. And you see people in line. They come up to him and they say, hey, look, you may not know this or you may not remember me. And a lot of times he does. He does remember a lot of these people. Uh, but they thank him for just being there, just listening to them, just responding to them. And so you have a guy like that that goes out of his way to help other people, to talk to other people, and to just be a good person. And you, you juxtapose that with what's going on, all of these attacks, what the people are saying about people that support Vic. And it can, you know, it's just this massive divide between the fandom of, of the people that, you know, want to, they love this medium, they love anime, they enjoy anime, they want to be a part of it. And these people that, it's all negativity. It's all hate. It's all vitriol, attack, attack, attack. And so it was, it was nice to be able to like, for Vic to be able to get that message out there that, you know, he's been able to help so many people. It's just really a story that doesn't get out there enough. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things about him that, um, that was such a, such an interesting thing to learn. And, um, it's why, it, it, for those who don't know, Cody's the guy who put me into contact with Vic. He said, here's his address. Here's his email address. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> because cause it's like you email anybody, you never get a response um, unless they, you know, have some sort of inkling of who you are. But I, I emailed Vic and, and I got a response pretty quickly. It was like, thank you so much for reaching out type thing. And it was... Uh, you know, that's, that's what he does. He, he responds to this stuff. And then as, as I learn more and more about him, you find out that he responds to 
tons and tons of emails. And again, it, it goes back to that thing where, where he believes, um, you know, for better or worse, that, that God has put him into this position for a reason. And so since he has that, since he has that uh, sort of perspective, you know, he, I think he feels like he, it's, it's part of his duty uh, to do this. He, but he, he doesn't have to, Nothing, nobody's paying him to do it. Um, and, and when I say duty, I, I don't mean, I think he thinks it's a burden or obligation. I think, I think he means that it's, it's, you know, kind of his purpose is to interact with people as much as possible and be, be something for them. And so he's, he's doing that. Um, and, and that's just part of who he is. It was, it was, a it's been interesting to like see that play out in real time, but I can tell you the number of emails that I've gotten from people who have said that Vic, uh, you know, answered them, um, in their time of need. It was like, it's, it's an embarrassing amount <laughs> to me. <laughs> oh my God. Why? Cause you I'm, don't respond to enough emails. Is that it? I don't respond to barely any emails. And this guy's <laughs> over here making us all look bad. Uh, well, time you to just look at, the, look at the replies to the Risen Bull Rangers, you know, when this, all of this was going on. There were people that were sharing their heartfelt stories about how Vic had personally helped them. How, you know, Vic had just given them just that little bit of encouragement that they needed. And that's why they're still here today. And all of these stories were out there, and you saw the people, the, the anti-Vic people, were going after some of these people, attacking them, saying, you're lying. And it was just, seeing that just reminded me of, like, all of the, these social movements and things. It's the same exact stuff, is that you'll, you're always going to have these people that are so deeply invested in the politics of personal destruction that they no longer even see reason they just see an enemy across the battlefield and they have to go after them they have to attack them and most of these people that are getting involved like they know nothing about vic they know nothing about what's going on they just yeah they've just been like steeped in this culture that you know they have to have an enemy they have to have a bad guy and they just want to feel like they're a part of something that's another thing. Like, I don't know any other voice actors or anything like that kind of convention scene that has like a group of volunteers at every city that he goes because the Rangers, they, they follow him and they work for him for free because they they help him to organize everything. And I don't know anyone else that has that kind of like dedication. They're like, OK, I'll volunteer. And, <laughs> and they're, they're easy yeah. to work with people like the Rangers are really nice. I've met some of them. They're really nice people. Yeah, yeah they're same. great. The other thing I want to talk about is uh, Anime Matsuri. So I have heard that you and Vic are going to be there, Nick. Is that correct? That is correct. What about you, Spooky? Oh. I know you and uh, Flamenco went, I think. <laughs> Me and Flam, we went to Bubba Fest. That's Bubba and Fest. I went, and then I went to Matsuri with people that I don't talk to anymore. <laughs> so went to Matsuri. Matsuri is a whole hell of a lot of fun. I don't know how, I don't know, with this post-corona how it's going to be but it was like Matsuri is like the most well-organized con I've ever been to my whole life um and it's a yeah it's a thing it's it's a it's a thing that is there it's like an organism man it's weird because when you when you go to some of the other cons even other decent sized cons it's nothing like Matsuri yeah um, there's so much happening 
I, I went to like just about everything because I had I had a press pass and I had an escort um, it, back in 2019 to go wherever uh, to get into any, you know, any sort of area. And there's still stuff I didn't see. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how, how did I miss some of this? You and but, Miss Rackets um, went to uh, uh, what was it called? A May Cafe while you were there, didn't you? We went to the maid cafe and the we we also went to the butler cafe, and um, the, so what they what they did there was they actually uh, hired from Japan like some very popular like butler cafe staff and maid cafe staff and brought them over to run their uh, their cafes at Matsuri. Um, it was it was apparently very authentic. It was weird sort of thing. In general, but uh, you know they were fun. It's basically like musical theater at the Butler Cafe, and then the Maid Cafe is just this. That's 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 just a strange place. <laughs> I'm not going to understand it. Uh, that was that was weird. But yeah, we we did that. We went to the uh, the cars that are all decked out in anime stuff. Um, we went to the rave for a little while, which was kind of fun. Um, I haven't been to a rave in like 20 years, so that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Anime raves, especially uh, con raves, have a weird energy to them, too, because it's 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 like they're a bunch of it, nerds that don't party. And then they're here. Yeah, like, party. <laughs> yeah, it's nerds trying to party and like introverts trying to be like they're degenerate or something like that. It's weird. They don't know it's, how to do. <laughs> it's it's just just imagine like a room full of Chris Chans trying to rock out. It's it's a weird energy. It's a really weird energy. Well, no, 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 not even that. Not even Everyone that. Chris go. Chan. Chris Chan went to clubs, gay clubs on the regular. So even Chris Chan had more of a social life than half these people. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's funny. It's it's weird. It's like a, not every one of them, but a lot of that energy is there of just like some introverted fat dude just trying to get down. <laughs> to like the 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 dubstep artist he tries to pretend is better than mainstream music <laughs> and it's, it's just like you don't even half of them don't even look like they're having a good time maybe I they are but it doesn't show in their face the best time i had at Mertsuri was with you know we were eating um those pineapples full of jim bean and it was just this little patio and it oh, was very was good, intimate yeah. that was the best time because we we had an actual like <laughs> I would say like deep conversations, but it's like we were all like exhausted after the con. Something serious happened is happening. And we all just kind of like chillaxed and we all just kind of, you know, talked about our feelings and what happened and how kind of surreal the whole situation was. And I I value that time that we had because that was very special. I forget when uh, where is Metsuri? Anime Metsuri? It's in Houston. Houston. Ah, oh, yeah, that's that ain't happening. I was I was halfway curious. Like, is it like a drive? Maybe, would it be a long drive? We get <laughs> it's in Houston, and it's actually in like two weeks. It's uh, July eighth through the eleventh. I don't, I don't, I don't travel. I hate traveling. So, and uh, oh, well. But back to your question, Gator. Yes, I will be there. Um, I think they're going to announce me at some point. I don't know. Um, I'll be there. I'm hosting a panel uh, called Awakening how uh how the culture war is destroying entertainment and it's it's not going to just be blaming uh wokeness on on or, or for the destruction of entertainment and for everything being unfun although that's kind of a triggering the reaction the reaction to wokeness injections is similarly responsible 
to a lesser degree. And so uh, I hope to talk about that some. But again, it's it's on my theme of when I speak at conventions, I want to speak about escapism, about the importance of it, because uh, we've got to fight to preserve it, whatever yeah. that whatever that looks like, because the, the whole purpose of escapism is getting away from the BS you deal with every single day. And and the fact that they don't want to let us do that is awful. <laughs> like we, yeah. we, we've got to get away for a few minutes and not be inundated and and assaulted with with all of the wrongs and evils of current year, uh, because we're not you don't learn and grow from getting hammered over, uh, hit over the head with a, a sledgehammer of guilt. Well, like that's not how you develop. It's interesting because there might be more of a reason behind it. And if you look at the reason behind it, it might actually be, I guess you could say, a good sign of things. Because we really, really, really saw this take off uh, right around the time that they started doing studies and finding out that Generation Z is markedly more right-wing than generations before it. Like, usually there's been, like, a, a small, steady increase of, like, uh, how left-wing and right-wing young people are, and, like, a little bit more right-wing every, every year, every generation, I mean. And then Gen Z was a jump. Like, it was a, it was a giant fucking well, leap. The reason and, why this happens, though, you have to think about it. It's like, if everybody wants to rebel against the narrative, right? So it's like, you want to rebel against, like, I know, growing up in the early 2000s, you want to rebel against people saying that, um, you know, video games cause violence and all that, because you think that's fucking stupid. Yeah, and, and the, the, the establishment is left-wing and heavily left-wing, preaching wokeness, so obviously kids, like young people are going to rebel against that, and you see that all the time on the internet. But, it, like, so we know why it's happening. And you saw, like, in 2016, how many young people were, were into Trump. So that scared the shit out of the establishment. So now we're seeing leftist politics pushed more and more. And that's why you're seeing it pushed more and more in children's media. Because like they feel like they see that leap, they feel like they gotta fix this. And I think this is gonna cause an unintended consequence. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guarantee. I'm gonna put I'm gonna stake everything on this bet here. That we're gonna see several years down the line when I think like everybody in this in this uh, panel is going to be a lot older, uh, like Nick, your kids will probably be teenagers around this time. We're going to see a flip in media, where it's going to be like every, every other thing is going to be like pole tier dark jokes and shit, because you see how much media now is driven by like um, like leftist media people that are still fighting with their parents. Like still mad at Christians because they had Christian parents that made them wake up early and go to church and shit. You're gonna see a generation grow up that's still fighting with their parents in their 40s, but their parents were pushy leftists, and they're gonna be pushing against political correctness at all times because they're mad at their parents. So we're gonna see media of just like Hitler jokes and racist jokes and sexist, just the nastiest jokes are going to just be everywhere. So what you're telling me life. is if Ethan Ralph can hang on for the next 10, 20 years, he's going to be the king of media. Is that what you're saying? Ab I am I'm dead serious. Yes. Because you're going to get that. You're going to get those people, because that's never going to change, you know, fighting your parents in your 40s. Your parents scar you. We, that's, that's ever present now in people that are in media. Those people are going to fade out. They're going to get old, die, retire. 
And then the new crop of people are going to be people raised by crazy leftists rebelling against their parents into their 40s. So, like, the, you know, the pendulum keeps swinging. It's, it's inevitable. And I think a lot of this, you know, psychotic stuff we see pushed in media constantly is it's desperation from people that know they're losing. And I think it's, it's frustrating to deal with in the present, but if you step back and look at the big picture, it's, it's a positive sign, and it's going to end. I mean, get woke, go broke is a thing. And there's a lot of people that try to brush that off like, well, they don't care. This is like a religion. And it's true. They can continue to not care. Plenty of people in history have died for the religion. And if they want to do it too, by all means. But it's going to happen. They're going to die. So let them like, yeah, you're right. They don't care. The result will still be the same. It's not going to change their failure if they don't care. So it's, we're, we're seeing sort of a, uh, it's, we're in a transitioning period right now. as. Uh, political correctness and leftism dies. It's not going to, it's not going to fade away. It's not going to die like in a quick, comfortable way that we can just go on and have fun. It's going to fight. It's going to be. It's a cornered animal. Leftism is a cornered animal, and it's fighting, and it's fighting back hard. But it's still a cornered animal up against a predator, and its fate is still inevitable. So. It's something positive to take away from all this. I just wish they wouldn't infect all of my favorite things on their way out the door. <laughs> I mean, today, well, think, of it this just... think of it this way. Eventually, your favorite, your favorite things will come back again once they're gone. And then you can look back. It's like um, One Piece fans looking back at the four kids dub. Like at the time it was airing, they despised it because of what it was doing to One Piece. Now it's funny to look back on because we don't have that problem anymore. That's true. So I think I think it's going to be the same way with like woke Ghostbusters and and uh, woke this like uh, He-Man, but it's actually about the lesbian women. You know, we're going to look back on that because it's dead, and now these things will come back without that, and we'll look back on that like, hey, remember remember woke He-Man? That was funny. Uh, it yeah. will never have been funny. <laughs> in hindsight, it will been f it will be funny in like a again in a four kids one piece dub kind of way. I love that you have an anti-woke, uh, well, essentially an anti-woke panel in fucking Texas in an anime con, because that would be the only place you could host someone like that in fucking Texas. <laughs> I love Texas. It's so based. Well, it's Houston, so it's still some risk there. Or no, I'm thinking Austin. What's Houston? No, like, Houston's still pretty. Every metro area in Texas is liberal. Yeah. Dallas, it's still, Fort Worth. I mean, it's still like anyone who goes to see you in Texas, though, you specifically, Nick, is going to be... <laughs> A little bit more based in their takes. Yeah, probably. But uh, it'll be it'll be good times. Um, I did want I did it up in Canada too, though. So. Uh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. We'll see if I ever get to go back. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. <laughs> they're pretty locked down up there even now. Oh yeah, they're crazy. Talking about mm -hmm. suspending elections and crazy stuff like that. They're rounding up people at churches and arresting them for going to church, like. It's funny thinking about all the years um, before where Canadians would be super smug at Americans. Like, oh, yeah, well, we have free health care. How can it? Canada's actually better than you. And now they're a police state. It's like, where are you at now? You ain't, you ain't, <laughs> so, smug. You ain't so smug now, Leaf. Oh, is it because you got arrested for what you said? Yeah, it must be rough. I wouldn't know anything about that. Yep. Well, hey, you say yeah. that, but now they're, you know, rounding up people for uh, posting Pepe's on the Internet with uh, Ricky Vaughn. So we may not be too far behind Canada. I, I don't think it's a, the thing about the U.S. is we're very um, decentralized. That's if you think about it, the founding fathers were fucking geniuses. 
Like, they knew someone was going to try this shit. So that's why there's no... It feels like there's a single power structure, but there's really not. Because, I mean, like, yeah, we have a federal government, but it's not hard for a state government to say, go fuck yourself. So, Look at to Florida. Florida's a great example of that. Yeah, yeah. We're very decentralized. That's, that's why it's almost cute to watch people try to seize power like authoritarians try in America. It's like, oh, honey, you don't know how this works, do you? Um... You're not, you're destined for failure if you try to seize power in America for power's sake. Uh, so, like, yeah, like, you have isolated areas where shit's getting worse, but then you have more areas where, if anything, I think the bad things that are happening are like a wake-up call for a lot of people. And you're seeing federalism explode. When was the last time you saw a state tell the, the, the federal government, hey, kiss my ass? No, I ain't doing it. Like, wow, this is a federal mandate that you, hey, here's a state mandate that you kiss my ass. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> everybody got so mad at Texas for being the first state to be like, we're not going to do the whole mass bullshit. And people were like, oh, you so bad. Fuck you, Texas. And then, you know, the whole corona thing stabilized. The, the, the Secretary of State... The Secretary well, of State of Arizona told the Secretary of State of the United States to, yeah, don't, don't, you keep fucking with us, we'll arrest you if you said put in Arizona. Don't screw with me. So, the, uh, yeah, things aren't as bad as I think a lot of people want, want their base so they can have a fight. Well, Texas is trying to make up for it because they were like that at first. But then they, uh, Abbott, you know, he did back down and he implemented the mask mandates and the shutdowns and all that stuff. There's only one state that didn't do it. And it, it probably surprises people to realize that it was South Dakota. That's the, that's the only state that had no mask mandates and no business closures from the government. Uh, but yeah, the governor of South Dakota, Christy Noem, she said, no, nah, we're not doing that. We're South Dakota. And they got... They got the same treatment that Texas and Florida caved at the same time on this stuff. And uh, they went after South Dakota around the same time for Sturgis, the big bike rally that they do there. And they had they had articles talking about how Sturgis led to 500,000 infections and all that stuff. Of course, they're doing this. They're writing this article uh, a week after Sturgis. It would it would have been physically impossible for the virus to even have spread that far. It was based on projections turned out to not be true, of course, but um, yeah. And, and the governor just said, yeah, we're still doing Sturgis and uh, everybody can, can shove off. We don't really care about your, your concern stuff. We believe in freedom. Um, so now, now you've got Texas and Florida there. You've got base DeSantis and, uh, and, and Greg Abbott, and they're trying to, recover their conservative clout because Abbott was blasted, blasted by the conservatives in, in Texas when he caved in on that stuff. They're like, what are you doing? And he very well may lose uh, the next election because of that to he's another Republican. He's trying. Someone said uh, Abbott becomes a really good governor when you wave the threat of uh, primarying him in front of him. Uh, DeSantis, I think, yeah. it, it, him caving was a bad decision, but I think he genuinely is a little more, uh, I guess, trustworthy. But uh, yeah, no, I I like DeSantis more than I like uh, Abbott, but I, I, he's but he still took a little hit from that, yeah. and he's he's making up for it. He's he's working hard. Abbott's working hard on making up for it too. I think ultimately he will, 
um, get back into good graces. But I know in in Texas, man, you you cannot you cannot show even a moment of backing down on the right. Otherwise, you get you get hammered hard. And there's always someone. There's always a Texan willing to primary another Texan to tell them how much how much more freedom oriented they are than the other guy. <laughs> I love Texas, it's, man. Texas yeah. is so great. Yeah, I I just hope all the Californians don't ruin it. Oh, they're I, gonna I, rape it. Uh, no, nah, it's, it's, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a myth. The um No, the no, 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 it's not. Look, Cody, there's so many Californians. I like even like the few YouTubers I see that all live in California. They're fucking moving to Texas and they're moving to Tennessee. They're moving to these places with cheaper housing because they know they can. And a lot of the streamers are moving. Like a lot of the Twitch streamers, they're moving to Austin. Hey, that how, how many people are that compared to the amount of people that do move? It, you're, you're like, I know five people, but these are famous five people, so they inflate the number. No, it's the majority of people that make exodus for blue states come from red counties. The the idea that oh, this the people coming from a blue state will flip another state, it's a smoke screen. It's a smokescreen for fraud, basically. I disagree. I disagree. I think they a lot say, of them are you you I have think... you have a blue uh, a red state that'll have a blue area flip that's obvious voter fraud, but they say no, no, it's just all the Californians coming over. It's just made it's change the demographics. No, it didn't. You don't get that many. You look at a blue state county by county, it's blue in a section, and then red. And those are the people that leave because they feel like their state doesn't represent them, so they leave. Well, they inflate the housing market too. Is what they do. So like, yeah, because, buy... yeah that, that's that's a, that. Anytime you have an exodus, that happens. It's not just a blue state that causes that. Anytime an area gets popular to move to, that raises the housing market. It's 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 you're you're basically falling for an old myth that people use for. To, to I, I don't votes. know. I disagree. A lot of people they, they, that live they, they, there. That is literally what they did in Arizona. That is literally people, what they did in Arizona. Look, look, Cody, a lot of people that I know that live in these states all say that the Californians are all moving slowly but surely over to these states. And even Florida, too. Florida is another big one. So I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. I think a lot of them are moving slowly. And it's just, it's people that are. They don't go there to like LA to like become famous. It's people that have like grown up in California or are moving. Out of California, because you're not going to get you're not going to get a hardcore dedicated leftist moving to Texas, a place that they have been bred and raised to believe is Mordor. You're not going to have them go well, like most, that, that's, that's that racist live. town where most, they where they'll just gun you for being gay. Most people that live in California aren't like hardcore leftists; they're left leaning. That's the thing. They're not even like even, super radicals. They're way more left leaning. Even if they're like, even if they're dedicated left leaning, most of them still aren't going to move to Texas because again, they're just red. They're Put in their head that Texas I, is crazy I, town. I, I, to, I, no, I yeah. disagree one hundred percent because Texas is a very nice. It's a it's a nice state to live in. It's very welcoming to all sorts of people. The Texas no, no, people. That's what you believe. Life. I'm saying they are taught. They are in an environment where they are told and taught at all times. But Texas is crazy. Just crazy. because they're they've all got that. guns and they wave their guns around. You know, they're not gonna. If but they're most, a true believer, they're not gonna move to Texas. Most people that that do believe in that though, they're like super leftist, right? And I guess they they wouldn't be bothered because they put their noses up. But most of the people that are moving from California to these states are left leaning to begin with, and they're not super radicalized. They wouldn't move to like somewhere like Texas. But they still hold these politics to where they're like, okay, but there's still like Nazis and races everywhere. That's the thing. That's what they're doing. So they, they're still more likely to vote for people that are on the left and on the right. And yes, radicals may not move. They're less likely to move. But then again, how, how many radicals are there 
on both sides. It's little, but most people are either left-leaning or right-leaning. And the more left-leaning people that live in California that hate the state taxes specifically, that's what they hate. They don't even care about the policies. They hate the state taxes. Are still more likely to vote leftist and into their politicians because that's you, what they are taught, and that's what they're normalized towards them. You're you're overlooking two things. Uh, any anybody, including Californians, know that. Californians are fully welcome and would feel right at home in Austin, Dallas, or San Antonio that's, or Houston. That's true. But specifically but, but they're Austin. Not cheap, they're not cheap places to live compared to the rest of Texas. They're not cheap places, but LA. they're still cheaper than LA. Yeah. Yeah. The other the other thing uh that you're overlooking is that not all of the moves are voluntary, like I just want to move to Texas. It's because their companies are moving them from from companies are moving California to Texas and they're doing it for various reasons. No income tax for employees is a, another thing. Uh, tax exemptions for larger companies. And so they're moving in, you know, tens of thousands of people when when a big company moves like that. And that's uh, that's a driver. And, and those people may not be able to or want to stay in California, especially if if the employer's like, yeah, by the way, if you if you just move down to Texas, uh, your your state income tax goes away. I I wish I could move to Texas and evade my state income tax. Oh my god, I wish I could. <laughs> Aren't you from it's, Texas? Yeah, but I I'm stuck in Minnesota. Oh, I see. For a whole bevy of reasons, but um, <laughs> but yeah, the the income tax alone would save me a lot of money every single year, and um, but but it's it's that combination of things. I it. I, I don't think that Californians are taught that Texans uh, are a bunch of gun waving crazies because uh, they're not moving to, you know, uh, Lubbock. They're they're moving to Austin where, you know, guns are not super open in Austin. And, and even if they were, if you're if you're open carrying in Austin, you're going to get weird looks like it, it's more like uh, it's more like L.A. than it is like Texas. So, um I, it, plus, uh, the, they had, I don't know if you saw the chart they had a little while back. It was the difference in U-Haul prices to move, uh, to, to get a U-Haul and go from California to Texas versus getting a U-Haul to go from Texas to California. To get one going from California to Texas was like eight times the amount because they just don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any. I see that, yeah. It was, it was, that was one of the funniest things. Like, oh my God, <laughs> there's literal, literal chart showing how much more people are going from California to Texas than back. But, uh, is it enough for the overall demographic shift? I don't know. Um, the, it, it, it absolutely happens. I'm saying it's not enough to shift the demographic. Like, you know, you, oh, people get freaked out. Like they're bringing their voting patterns with them and they're going to turn this, they're going to turn Texas, 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 they're going to turn purple. Texas ain't going to turn purple, let alone blue. Ain't happening. It, it inches closer every election. Um, so, it, 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 but I think people are overestimating the amount of time it's going, or underestimating the amount of time it'll it'll take overall. But but it, I mean, it, the demographic shift is happening in voting, um, where Texas is moving more towards blue. But you know that might have changed with Corona. Like uh, the. The one thing we've gotten, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in 2022 and 2024, is we've gotten a little bit of a freedom injection into the populace. I mean, people are people are like, oh, 
there are consequences to this. I can see it in my state government. I can see it at the federal level. Yep. And maybe they'll maybe they'll come out in and uh, change things well, in the I'm, next two elections. I, I don't. I don't want this to turn into a, a whole political podcast because you know there's this is an anime. So, but I, I will sort of throw this thesis out there, and that'll be my my final take. I think. One of the big reasons I'm not as worried about the demographic shift, too, I firmly believe there is not as many blue voters as we are led to believe in this country. I believe a, a, a great deal of the Democrat Party's base is fake. It's a lot like you see how many blue states have strict voting laws. How many blue states have voter ID and, and signature verification? Because a bunch of states already do have it. And you when when you see elections get more and more tightened and, and more and more um, oversight on them, you see less Democratic strongholds. You see less Democratic. Look what happened to Florida after 2000. When was the last time Florida's been blue since the 2000 election? And then now they've added even more, um, even more steps to, to verify elections. You have and now with this, the 2020 election being the shit show it was, and now all these states are taking a second look at this. I, I think if this goes through, if they do make these voter reform, I think that's what kills the Democratic Party. And I think that's why they're fighting so desperately to stop it. Because if, if, voter, if voting reform laws pass like everywhere, that kills the party. Because I would, I, would I would make a guess that like maybe as much as 50% of their overall quote-unquote support is fake ballots. Like if you took the ability to fake ballot away... There would be maybe a couple blue states like California, Oregon, and, and you know, like maybe a couple. And so that's why like a, little, a lot of the demographic shift doesn't really bother me because like you see stuff like, look how often they have to change their vocabulary because the country as a whole rejects everything they push. Look how much the country hates cancel culture. Look how much the country as a whole, just every time they say they try to push some academia shit on the general populace, it's rejected without even a second thought. It doesn't even get a chance to, to take hold. It's, they, in order to push, push the things they want to push on us, they have basically do the boiled frog thing, you know what I mean? Slowly implement stuff. Because whenever they try to just propose this shit, everybody hates it. And that wouldn't, if we were so divided as we're led to believe, that wouldn't be a, the case. We wouldn't be having mo moment after moment after moment after moment of parents going against critical race theory in like like school board meetings and and it's not even just like oh like and the parents of every goddamn race in this country are just saying no we hate this get rid of this so i'm not even kind of worried about that because yeah I, I think a lot of the Demo democrat base is fake i think it's seized power like if and if if we secure the voting if we secure the vote we won't have anything to worry about from them and if if they, this does go through if these, these voting laws do change, especially, especially if they change in all the states that are a problem, I think it's not going to be a red wave in 2022. I think it's going to be a blood ocean. And if we get that blood ocean, that's the final, that's the death nail of the dead. Well, and I think you're going to see, I think then, you're going to see popular media also, like whichever, you know, whichever side wins, I think popular media is going to kind of uh, shift in that direction. Because, you know, we're already seeing people sort of like turning their backs to, you know, the, the traditional powers, you know, the, the left has kind of had an exclusive sort of control over media for 
God knows how long since the since pretty much since like the 60s. They they really started to like dig their claws in and take it over. And I think it's really only a matter of time before even websites like YouTube, you know, this video is going to be up on YouTube. I think at a certain point, YouTube is going to have that moment where there's a massive paradigm shift and they're either going to have to adapt. And, you know, people like Vosh and Destiny that are a little more left leaning, they're going to be promoted less and they're going to have to promote, you know, people that are, you know, more right wing than than before so if a guy like tim pool that's kind of like this center center sort of guy can hang on long enough you know he will be maybe not even like towards the top he may be the top guy he may be being promoted as like you know youtube's answer to all of this how they can kind of you know, maybe not promote a right winger, but somebody that's, you know, kind of a right winger. So they still kind of stick to their more leftist sort of uh, sort of values. I think it's going to be more that when we do get that government shift, which is inevitable, it's just a matter of when. Uh, when we do get that government shift, that then that I think that's the big the end of the big tech problems, because they're going to hammer on Section 230 and all that. So it's just this shit we're dealing with now, it's temporary. It's just so annoying. And I get that people are like, oh, this is awful, because it is. But again, you got to step back. It's, it's temporary. You know, this, oh. will, this too shall pass. All just, right, well, just, don't, just don't give up and puss out and whatever. Just keep hanging in there until it does pass. And well, it's, it's temporary, but VTubers are forever. <laughs> well, the, well that true. being said. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Um, <laughs> anything else? Any point of contention you have, Gator? I just really want to finish on this. Um, You know, we talked a lot about, you know, the shift, the paradigms and all that stuff. But the one thing, the one thing that is more important than ever is to stick up for people that you like to, you know, for guys like Vic, Vic is still here today. I strongly believe because the community rallied around him, supported him and said, they, they stood up to the bullies. They stood up to cancel culture and they said, no, we don't believe any of this is true. We know for a fact that the way you're trying to portray him is not the way that he actually is. And I think mm-hmm. that is going to be what shifts opinion across the country is people standing up and saying, no, we don't believe in this garbage. We don't believe that you're telling the truth. We know that you're just trying to take this person out because you're just you're thirsty for blood you you want to take down this person and i think as long as people continue to support the people that they like the people that they you know the people that they they enjoy their their content they enjoy what they do they enjoy what they produce i feel like sooner or later the worm's going to turn and cancel culture will be broken and i think that is the most important message that's come out of the vic mignana case win or lose the paradigm has shifted the battle lines have changed, and now it's no longer about cancel culture getting this overwhelming victory and running roughshod over somebody. Now people are fighting back, and that, I think, is the lesson to take out of this, to fight back. Don't let them go out there and destroy you over and over and over. Challenge them. Fight back. You know, you gave a great example. Johnny Young Bosch immediately put the, put the kibosh on that. And I yeah. think that this is the this is how to handle it going forward. There has to be consequences. The lawsuit. There, there's there's a great quote. Uh, I think it was Michael Malice said like the the only power they truly have is the illusion of power. 
and that's kind of what you're saying. Just if you just say no to them and fight back, look how much many times like they'll try to cancel a developer of a game over their opinions and views. And instead of kowtowing, it's like, okay, we're going to remove him. No, they just say, no, we're not going to do anything. And there's just massive support. Like, the game will sell Ms. God, like, three, four times as many copies as it normally would. Because people are like, based, support him, support him. And yeah, that's what, yeah, it's just, they really don't have the power, except people have just let them because of, like, this need for politeness that we've had for all this time. Just, oh, well, you know, just don't, you don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, it just seems like a dickish thing. You probably shouldn't do that. And, like, they, that, they, that was, like, letting the vampire in the house. And now we're dealing with what we're dealing with because of that. And sooner but, or uh, later, this stuff is going to blow back. Um, you know, we, yeah. Nick has covered this on his show numerous times, that, you know, Funimation, this kind of culture, you know, this sort of, all of these little seedy things and these weird sort of relationships that the people at Funimation have with each other, sooner or later, that's going to blow back. They're going to have to deal with that. They're going to have some allegations. They're going to have some problems. And, you know, unlike where it was somebody like Vic, where... You know, he has an immense amount of support, ton of people that truly deeply care about him and a lot of great personal stories that people have. Some of these voice actors, they don't have that same support base and they're going to find themselves very rapidly all alone with no one in their corner. And that is the ultimate, the ultimate just cancel culture nightmare. Is when That's already what's happening. Look, look what happened to the lines, the convention lines of these people that were doing this to Vic. Look at yeah. look at Monica Rial's like convention draw. What's happened since this this? I mean, she used to be a draw because she voiced a lot of characters people like. Look at her now. It's already happening. Yeah, the blowback is immense, and you know, it's going to keep getting worse because they keep doubling down. It, All it Vic wanted at the. Sorry. I was going to say, all Vic wanted at the end of the day was for these people to apologize, to take back what they said, to help him restore his career. And then he would just leave them alone forever. He would never interact with them again. You know, you talked about, uh, Nick, in the interview, the mediation. Um, you know, Vic didn't want money. He really doesn't want money from these people. He just wants them to take back the slander, to take back the lies, and to apologize for saying it. To to do at least a little bit of reputation uh, damage control, you know, for the fact that they hurt his reputation. That was all. That's all he wanted was just them to apologize and take it back. And they wouldn't even agree to that because they think they're going oh, yeah. to win. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's like the, the crazy thing is it's, it's not even, um, it shouldn't even be about, winning at that point if you um well I, I i don't i don't even know how to how to say it uh they they talked over and over about wanting to heal the community and and move on from this uh they talked about how they could settle it but all of their settlements all of the things that they ever suggested involved vic uh basically killing any any future that he ever had and by admitting to things that he has said he didn't do. And so there was no, there's not going to be any compromise in, in that way. So then the only other option is, hey, you know what? Just stop trying to, just stop trying to ruin my career. Like just, just that step. 
Like when you think about how, uh, how little that is to do, when you say just stop calling anime conventions and having me canceled, just promise not to do that. How about that? And they're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. We, that's, that's a bridge too far for us. Not even, not even like, like me, rehire me, work with me, sit next to me, all this stuff. No, just, just please stop trying to ruin my life. No, we can't do that. That is, that is something that people should take away from that. That was, that was, they couldn't be asked to not ruin his life. All right, go ahead, Spooky, and we'll, I'll give you the last word. I said it sucks that our media is so politicized now because, like, the whole point of the Anime Boomer podcast wasn't supposed to be like, ah, politics and all that kind of stuff because we all kind of do our own thing when it comes to politics, right? Right. Or social commentary. But it's it's just kind of like, I mean, it's just down the... It's like what they say is, like, culture is down the river from politics, so they both have influence on each other. And I, I hope that one day, you know, despite all of our bitching and complaining about this, that one day they actually, you know, we can just consume media and not have to worry about you know these ideology these ideologies being shoved on our throat and we can just you know just recommend something to each other without that being fucking hostile you know back in back in the old days we would just argue about waifus and not about you know the political medicines or fucking voice actors are trying to shove down our throat more wholesome than that i guess makes sense that makes perfect sense yeah. i couldn't have said it any better i i think uh I think there's a market for political politics free entertainment and I think you're seeing that pop up more and more now. Bringing it back to earlier, that's I think appeal for a lot of people with VTubers cuz it is oh a lot of God. <laughs> No, no cuz I'm well it's they're part of a larger thing. I'm going through sort of a list here. Uh, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. We're going to have an hour of viewers being like they're just talking about VTubers for an yeah. hour. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> the 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 corporate back ones have a very strong no politics rule. Um you saw that early on with the they EN are- ones. People they tried to get really them to say good. trans rights. People tried to get them to say trans rights, and they dodged that shit. So they they are really and, good about monitoring their chat, though. I will. Yeah, say. yeah. So they they just keep no politics over there, and you see like more and more um, like YouTubers and more and more like the publisher that picked up my webcomic, Cloud Scratcher. A big thing with them is we don't want any politics. We just want people to create. And they, you're seeing that mantra more and more of like, hey, no politics, just here. And people, that's resonating with people. When you do that, I think people pick up on that because they just want some goddamn escapism. And they glom onto that. And they support that. Even if, like, there's, there's plenty of entertainers I don't agree with whatsoever. But if you just make an entertaining thing that doesn't have your politics in it, I'm cool with that. I'm 100% down with that. I can think of lots of entertainers that, like, I think they're dumb, but it's not in their entertainment, so I don't care. I just won't follow them on Twitter. I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge music nut. I can't follow most of my favorite artists on Twitter because they're idiots. Or if you are going to put, like, your ideology or your politics or something, at least make it fucking entertaining. Like, Jesus Christ, instead of just cringe shit. Like trans rights, and it's like that's cringe. Like, make a story about someone that could be relatable to a trans person or something like that. Make or make a trans story that isn't cringe that I could maybe sit down and enjoy. No, it has to just be trans rights, cringe, and it's fuck. And then get get along with the rest of the Marvel movie. And it's like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? You can't you can't just write your own fucking stories? Yeah, nope. I think people just don't want it. You they have don't to want rate less, instead. We need less preachy, more relatable more realistic that that's what i think that's the 
way to go forward in media is don't preach stop, to stop, people. Stop, stop sermonizing and tell a goddamn story. Mm-hmm. Even That's if it's problem. fucked up or even left-leaning or whatever, whatever your politics are, at least make it like a good story. Because that's the only thing people really care about. Uh, anyways, I think that will conclude our podcast. Thank you, Mr. Riketa. And I hope maybe we can one day meet up and party again. It was fun talking to you My again. My pleasure. Yeah, that'd be great. Now, I know you don't really need to plug your stuff, but go ahead anyway. Everybody that's listening to this probably came from your show, but go ahead. <laughs> well, you can come find me at uh, Riketa Law uh, on YouTube or on Odyssey. Um, but if you want the longer, the longer videos are only up on YouTube. Odyssey doesn't uh, allow the full, the full transfer of live streams just yet. But um, yeah, you can find me every, pretty much every weeknight at 11 p.m. Uh, doing things like I was doing yesterday, uh, yelling at circumcision advocates because they're so fucking weird. Or wait, no, anti-circumcision yeah. advocates because they're so fucking weird. Oh, they oh are. God. Oh, my God. You know, you could summon them, too. It's funny. If you go on Twitter and just say something like, I am for circumcision or something. And I'm saying this to anyone listening. No matter what you f- think about it, go on Twitter right now and just say something positive about circumcision and wait. An account that you've never seen before will appear <laughs> to start arguing with you. And it's a different account every time. Do it like once a week. A different account every time will appear. It's like, you don't support baby mutilation. You sick psychopath! It's the funniest shit. It's like it's like saying Bloody Mary in the mirror, and and Bloody Mary actually appearing. It's fucking great. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Cody, and uh, shill your stuff since you came in next. <laughs> um, well, uh, you can find uh, AnimeOutsiders.com again. We're still kind of on a break just because we have nothing to write about. So if you want to catch up on our all our stuff, it's there. Um, cloudscratcher.com if you want a good story and no politics just fun adventure just like a Saturday morning cartoon um, it's good shit I guarantee everybody you'll like it I guarantee everybody in this podcast right now if you read it right now you'll be like damn Cody you can write uh, and uh, got a crowdfund coming for that soon and uh, I'm on the internet <laughs> what really you're on the I'm internet on, I'm on the internet talking shit <laughs> buyer at buyer works for my art and the shit i give a damn about and then uh, at lord schmecky with an sh for um just me talking shit even though that's i have more followers on my bullshit account but uh yeah the, the former is the one that actually matters so yeah that's my stuff all right go ahead spooky Hello, I'm Spooky Weep Trash. You can find me on my YouTube, which has been abandoned for a while, working on stuff, I swear. Um, <laughs> in the background. I swear, guys, I swear. And uh, you can find me there on the occasion. And then also, like, um, I, of course, you can find me on Instagram in case you're wondering what I'm doing the day-to-day basis. And Twitter, and my good friend Spooky Web Trash. That's S-P-O-O-K-Y-W-E-B Trash. All together. You know. My friend, Scoopy Records. You can find me, my, my friend there. Ooh. <laughs> and of course, it's me, Gator. Twitter.com slash the Gator Gamer. You're watching this. If you're watching this on YouTube, we have a podcast feed set up. It is anchor.fm slash anime boomers. You can find it pretty much everywhere where podcasts can be found. Also, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, this is also going to be up on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Gator Gamer. You can also find me on Dick Masterson's federated uh, like Twitter clone. It's uh, paypig.org slash at the Gator Game. All right. I want to thank Nick Riketa for hopping on today. As always, Spooky Weep Trash and, and Cody Byer 
Say, say it right that time. Say, that, say it right that <laughs> Thank time. Thank you. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. I want to thank them for joining us today, and I hope you guys enjoyed this, and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a good one.